Testing, testing, one, two, three. Over the past couple of days, we've had a pretty good chill. This winter, we've got snow, wind, and the cold is for real. It's time to sit back, get cozy, and reminisce about the past. So welcome, welcome, welcome to Backlick Cinema, the podcast. My name is Zoe, that's spelled Z-O or Z to the O for those of you outside of the U.S. It's the 130th episode. Thank you for downloading and streaming. We really appreciate it. We watch the movies of yesteryear that I loved when I was growing up in the latter half of the 1900s. If you like what you're about to hear, then please tell your family, tell your friends, and tell that lone driver in a post-apocalyptic wasteland about Backlick Cinema, the podcast. And now, um, as promised, I, I brought back a guest, and he has brought a plus one because... We recorded before, and you didn't get a chance to hear that recording because it sounded like bunk. Now, I was going to play a sample <laughs> of how bad this recording sounded, but I decided, you know what? I'm going to keep that terrible error to myself. I'm not. I'm ashamed of it, and I'm not going to share it with anyone. But they're back, the, the two of them. So let me present to you, in this corner, from Parts Unknown, we have two of the most dynamic consumers of film this country has ever seen. Everything from comedy to musical to horror is subject to their unwavering glare. Their vast knowledge on the medium of the motion picture will leave you unsettled. Ladies, gentlemen, and genders across the spectrum, I gladly present to you Wes King and Gone! Uh, I don't think I've ever been introduced in such a way. I am honored. Yeah, I <laughs> hope it was better so than the last time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even. It must be. I don't even remember how you introduced me last time. But this this blows the 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 whole thing away. Everything like that was the best introduction anyone's ever introduced me ever. Wow. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Well, thank um, you, thank you for coming on. Thank you for coming back. Uh, as uh, the audience does not know that film that we were supposed to do was Castaway. And, uh, you know, we did the whole recording. It sounded great. I, I loved having you on. And and then I listened to the playback and I, and I, I goosed the recording. I, I <laughs> and I yeah, thank I mean, you for was, coming back. It was back. a blast. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a, it's an episode that lives forever in mine and your, your memory. <laughs> right, right, right. And, uh, Gunch, thank you for joining us. I appreciate you coming on with your, Thank you so That's, much. Uh, film knowledge. And um, I'm glad to have you both on because both of you, you, you're doing more than just watching movies uh, like I do. You, you're actually into the movies. You're actually making short movies. You're actually uh, taking film classes. You're, you're actually in the industry. So um, are, are both of you, are you still in school? I am. I graduated. Awesome. When did you graduate? I graduated in 2022. No, yeah, 2022. Oh, okay, that's a while ago. Feels like forever ago, but it wasn't that long right, ago. Right. So you've <laughs> had. Uh, so are you working in the industry right now? I was working in the industry for a while, doing commercials. Uh, did a few films. Did a lot of short right, films. Right. Um, mostly as just like a production assistant, but I did some uh, did some cinematography, did some grip work, some acting. But uh, I just couldn't get with the schedule. Right. Um, 
and I really like movies. So in order to kind of keep that magic, I just decided to uh, apply my unwavering glare <laughs> to films <laughs> instead of from within. So I, I have seen some of uh, Wes's shorts and uh, they are some of them are uh, have something to be desired. And then some of them left me unsettling. So have you been able to uh, do any shorts? Yeah, uh, the man Wes. Wes has got major talent. Um, I have, I have a lot of shorts, but uh, at this point, I'm I want to remake them. Right, right. They are out on YouTube if you can find right. me. Okay. So uh, challenge, you can find me uh, if you want. You try, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> and 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 I did win an award for uh, a few of them. Uh, one that was an uh, experimental documentary on um, on domestic abuse, which was kind of a more serious one. But then another one I won an award for uh, a, cor- a horror comedy about a TV show chef personality who has a clown that's chasing him that represents his anxieties. Uh, yeah, he was playing with uh, raw, raw eggs and uh, and everything like that. It was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, awesome, awesome. But I just want to remake it. You know, you never have enough budget <laughs> in, in film school. Yeah. You know, sounds. And, and when I made that, I didn't get enough like technical knowledge. Ah, right, so right. there wasn't like, you know, and I didn't have access to good like equipment. Right. right. So it ended up being real kind of lower quality. And while that kind of works, I, I don't know. You know, I'm just I'm moving forward. You know. Right, right. Well, that you do the best you can with with what you have, and um, and True. I understand like the the struggle to get equipment is real. So, <laughs> I understand. oh my god, so bad, yes, so expensive. Yeah, 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 it's it's not it's not fun. Although I did hear about this, uh, I forgot it was it was some film. It oh, I remember now. It was the creator. So in the creator, one of the things mm. that they said about the film that was so fascinating was that they basically brought. They filmed it on like a consumer level camera, like a camera that like most folks can probably get out of uh, Walmart or uh, some other some other place like that. Um, Yeah, it was like a Sony F series camera, wasn't it? I can't remember, but I I remember it cost four thousand dollars and people were remarking, remarking how they was able to shoot that film on a four thousand dollar camera. And I thought that was fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, when I was in the, uh, I was in a film festival in Oaxaca in Mexico, and every other, you know, I was talking with the filmmakers who were in my program, and they were all, oh, well, so what was your budget? And I would say probably like, probably about $250. <laughs> and they would look at me like I was crazy. <laughs> and I'd be like, how much was yours? Um, somewhere around 15000 oh, Right, right. Oh, you know what? <laughs> For a short, that was the same size as me and in the same program. Um, <laughs> sorry. Not, not only that, I but guess. had <laughs> you had the opportunity to feature that in even one theater, you, I believe you would have made more than your money back. <laughs> right. Hey, I mean, uh, paranormal activity, man. Right. That that whole, I love that narrative. That's why I love like indies. Right. Yeah. And I'm super into that. And, and you know, movies like Mad Max 2, yeah. when they didn't, yeah. they weren't able to cut corners right, back right, then. Right, right, right. 
you know, so there was all sorts of crazy stuff that they had to do. Right. Uh, not to say that I want people to get hurt on a film <laughs> yeah, set, but yeah. it was a lot I, more high stakes. Yeah, that's right. exactly right. We don't want people to get hurt. And, and then no. and then they'll use the footage anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, Wes, could you uh, remind, well, not remind our audiences, they didn't hear the first interview, but could you tell people about some of the shorts that you had did? Um, so every, just about everything I have made has been through, uh, my program as a student so far. So they've all been student short films, except for, I did work on one professional project outside of school. And I don't think that film has premiered yet. So okay. I don't know when it's going to come out, but, um, when that one comes out, that one is called, uh, like La Belle Dame Sir Sans Mercy, which is the woman without mercy in French. Um, and uh, that I worked as a first AC on. Um, and then other than that, I have made only student films and uh, some that I'm really proud of. Uh, one is called uh, The Eyes of the Beholder, which is like about this guy who is like, uh, he's a peeping Tom and, and he ends up uh, snapping pictures of the wrong girl and he gets followed home by like uh, an entity essentially that comes to steal his eyes. And that one was a lot of fun to work on. That was probably my biggest project because that involved like makeup and special effects and like uh, three days of shooting. And that was just a ton of fun. Um, and then other than that, uh, you know, I've, uh, made a few others, one called ideation that I'm kind of proud of. That one was kind of like inspired by, uh, skin and that one I'm proud of cause it was like fully a solo project. So I didn't have a crew. I didn't have anyone except myself and my camera. And that was kind of exciting. And what I ended up with was, you know, not at all what I thought I'd what I was thinking of at the start. So that was just like a really exciting project to see it like kind of, you know, be created as, as I was creating it. I didn't go in with like a, a script or a plan or anything when I shot it, I just kind of shot it and then, you know, figured things out in the edit and, uh, and then just added voiceover to it to make it all work. And it, it was kind of fun. It was cool. Um, but yeah, uh, the goal uh, in the future is to, you know, hopefully work on, bigger films you know like the ultimate dream really i just want to be in theaters <laughs> but um you know we'll see if that happens uh but uh it'll happen yeah, i'm just working towards that <laughs> yeah yeah and in spite of the uh i mean and a lot of it is not your fault especially for this year for either of you because there have been a a couple of work stoppages and strikes and you know you gotta make sure that you get your fair uh a fair deal and fair treatment. And there's still some questions about some of the treatment that you might get going forward uh, with um, all of the stuff people are talking about, like AI and mm -hmm. and uh, copyright mm -hmm. stealing and that, that sort of thing. But <laughs> I just hope that it's it's a brighter future for, for filmmaking for the both of you. Yeah, I hope so Thank too. You. Thank you. Thank you so much. That, that was a big reason why um, that was also a big reason why I left uh, filmmaking for the time being, because where I work, a lot of crews were actually fourthed or fifthed, meaning like if there was a 25 person crew, it would become a five person. Right, crew. right, right. And, and it was such a stupid reason. The reason was because there might be an economic collapse uh, in the summer of 2023. Right. So that's when I that's when I kind of stopped was in the summer of 2023. Mm -hmm. And everybody just uh, 
stopped hiring as many people. Producers weren't like getting camera people. They weren't getting crew people. They were just doing it all themselves. They call it run and gun. Right, right, right. <laughs> run and gun projects. <laughs> so the producer would come and be doing everything. Right, right, right. And I'd say, well, you know, because I worked at a camera rental shop, so I would meet all these producers and ask them if they need help. And when I would ask them, they would just say, well, this is a more of a, of a run and gun. Uh, you could come along, but it would be a free. Right, 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 right. And it's like, yeah, no, that's, that's not how it works. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I can't. I'm struggling too. I right? like doing this, but it's called bills. Right. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. So um, let me ask you this. What's the most important thing that you've learned from film school for the both of you? Wes? If you have to call somebody out, do it to their face and do it in front of other people. <laughs> ah, we, we talked about that story on our original recording. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Never, ever, ever. Like, you might think you're doing them a favor by saying, hey, I didn't appreciate how that happened. You might you think you're doing them a favor by sending it in a nice little text in private. But no, you're not. They're... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, or or uh, another way of putting it is don't insult somebody who can make a movie yeah yeah or, or a song in in taylor swift's case <laughs> <laughs> there's that too yeah <laughs> but but if they waste but i mean it takes a village like if they waste everybody's time yeah they need to understand that they did that right too. right right if they switch things up at the last minute or if they flake out at the last minute because they weren't taking the project seriously, especially when there's like a group of like, you know, I mean, a lot of the films that I was working on, there were 25 to 50 people who were yeah. there. Um, no, and like for the commercials, it was often more than that. Yeah. Like if uh, if a celebrity was involved, like if Giannis was involved or Aaron Rodgers, the crew would be closer to like 150, mm-hmm. 250 sometimes. And if people, if certain people don't show up, that just means that either production has to get, well, production will get halted Mm -hmm. no matter what. Right. Even if that means it got halted for a half hour while they try to figure out how they can work without this person who decided not to show up. Um, And that unfortunately was all too common in film school. Yeah. It's endlessly frustrating. Uh, Basically. And I would, uh, and I would pay people beyond my sets. Like I believed in that. Like, and, I'm. Uh, I still got flakeouts all the yeah. time. Very frustrating. That's, uh, yeah, it's it's impossible. You you have to go in with the mindset that unless you've worked with somebody before and like they've proven themselves to be defendable, like do not depend on anybody. No matter how enthused they seem about the project, <laughs> there's you just cannot. You right, cannot. You right, have right. to always have a backup in mind. You have to always be uh, kind of like ready to, you know wing something or play double duty or ask somebody else to do double duty. Like it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's very frustrating. It's so frustrating because you can never count on anybody, especially in film school. I'm hoping, I'm hoping it'll be better when, you know, when I'm actually out in the industry, uh, but it's a little better. (laughs) I'm sure, I'm sure there are always going to be hurdles and, and things to, to work through on a film set because that just seems to be the nature of making film. Uh, it's just, that it's, yeah. uh, it's always, uh, <laughs> like a crapshoot almost, but like you pull through. <laughs> well, and I imagine that in like when, you know, in the industry, there are things called contracts and 
they the reason that they have contracts is to ensure that the people who sign these contracts are you know fulfill their obligations. So uh, right. I don't mm-hmm. think you'll have uh, as much of a problem when you uh in, on some of the professional work as you would in film school. Right. So I've worked on uh, I've worked on films where people didn't where actors didn't sign contracts, uh, and the whole thing got done. It got shot. Uh, post-production happened and then before it got released the actor said well i don't want to be in this it's too scary i don't want my grandma to see it that's the worst and they didn't sign any sort of uh um what's it called they didn't sign a release form right so the the film had to be redone wow that's terrible i've seen that happen twice once on my own film right and uh once on a film that i was working on and i didn't i wasn't aware that the director didn't I know that. Right, right, right. That's that's sad. Sad beans. <laughs> I, I would say, well, sorry. I, I would say the, like, on a more hopeful note, I, I don't mean, I'm going to call it cynical, but like, on a note for like what I learned in film school, the most important thing is pre-production. Yes. Being organized. Yes. You could, you can eliminate 99% of a problem, 99% of problems on a set if you have a schedule, if you have notes, if you have a script, if you have a shot list, if you have everything planned out. So it has to just be a well-oiled machine in order to work. And if it isn't, sometimes it could turn out well, but uh, a lot of people are going to be upset at the end of it, whether because the film shoot went too late, uh, people weren't getting enough to eat, or there were fights Mm. over creative differences and, and what have you. So that that's super important and i still don't or i mean i'm not on uh, um i'm not really on sets anymore i kind of kind of put that life on hiatus for a little while but towards the end i was still seeing shoots that didn't have any pre-production care put in and they went they were chaotic and disorganized because of that right so if you're a filmmaker that is extremely underrated mm. i'll say right right Story uh, almost i would say the most important part <laughs> yeah of the whole process. Absolutely. Uh, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. That I feel like that can be applied to a lot of different uh, disciplines. So like, like the podcast deal, right. Or um, like TikTok. I'm, I'm pretty sure that you have to, uh, if you're not writing a script, you at at least have to know what you're about to say before you say it, you you know, knowing your subject and, and so on and so forth. I've seen, uh, like Wes has a bunch of outtakes that he published on TikTok because yeah. he, he's not ashamed to show uh, his failure. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that you're such a king. The outtakes that. are really <laughs> funny. So, uh, a- as far as that goes, uh, so Wes has Wes Talk Movies Gunch. You have uh, Film Gunch. So, or Film Underscore Gunch. So let me let me ask the both of you, the both of you, why TikTok? Why why did you choose that medium? Why didn't you choose like uh, like Instagram or YouTube as your main outlet. I, I can speak on that unless you want to, uh, first, Wes. You go first. I got to think my answer. Um, <laughs> well, first, first of all, I, <laughs> uh, first of all, I don't, um, I don't like, uh, meta. I never liked meta. I always thought that the way that they organize their social media is, really sort of money based and very frustrating for that reason. It's almost kind of like film. 
you almost it feels like you have to have connections unless you get really lucky and go viral. But a lot of times going viral is helped by money, by knowing a lot of people, um, by having a large friends list. And with TikTok, you just send it out into the world. And I feel like with TikTok, I've met so many people that I wouldn't have met on something like Instagram um, or Facebook or even YouTube. I guess YouTube is pretty similar. And I did uh, I did do YouTube when I was, you know, before TikTok was a thing with all my film stuff. But I really like the short form video content, too. And also TikTok feels a lot more progressive than other uh mm-hmm. other meet other social medias and those are my types of people right um yeah i don't i it really is frustrating when i post something and a bunch of people come in like saying some wildly sexist or racist <laughs> things and i feel like that i feel like that happened a lot when i was on uh, when i was trying to do like facebook and instagram right right, right. so yeah, TikTok just has generally been the most favorable for that reason, in my opinion. Right, right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm yeah, s- I, sort of dabbling in there. Uh, what about you, Wes? Yeah, I definitely feel that. Um, I've never liked Facebook. I actually haven't had Facebook for like several years because of how much it's just such a nightmare. You say anything on Facebook and somebody comes in with like some ridiculous combative statement. Like, it's like, okay, sorry. I liked something. Whoops. Oops. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. But like, uh, it's bad. It's bad yeah. on Facebook. So That's real. I haven't had it. The last time I was on Facebook was during the pandemic. I started a Facebook up again after not having one for several years. And like, I think I was on for like two weeks and then I was like, I hate this. <laughs> I got right. off of it. Um, but I actually did want to do YouTube and I still kind of do. I think I might eventually break into YouTube for like more longer form kind of like video essay type videos. Uh, cause I really want to start doing that. Um, but what was really attractive about TikTok to me was just that it really seemed kind of community based. Like it was people kind of like it was it's not it's obviously not like a conversation like we're having now, but it felt more kind of conversational. Like somebody would, you know, say something and then you'd see like a stitch or a duet or, you know, and it seemed more like people were kind of sharing ideas rather than just consuming media and yeah. uh, and that. And shit talking in the comments. Yeah, absolutely. There was more, yeah, there was more conversation actually happening in the comments versus like YouTube, where it's more like, you know, it seems often kind of just silly jokes or, you know, there's not a lot of conversation happening elsewhere, it seems, especially like on Instagram. I never see conversation really happening on Instagram. But, um, and that's what I thought was really nice about TikTok. And it took me a long time to get into TikTok because I kind of fell for the, uh, the, 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 the idea that it was like some Chinese spy app or whatever for like, I wasn't like, like I, like it wasn't like I had like really believed that, but like that was all I had heard of TikTok as like when I, when I first heard of TikTok, somebody like mentioned it was like a Chinese spy app and I was like, Oh, okay, whatever. And so like, I was like, why is everyone on TikTok then? <laughs> like, right, what is going right, on? Right, right. And eventually I finally got on it and I was like, Oh, this is cool. Whatever. Right. And, uh, well, and that idea is so wrong yeah. because that data is getting sold by Alphabet. Yeah, that's Anyways. the problem. See, the thing is, is that <laughs> um, if you say that they're using it, or like the Chinese are using it as a spy app, it, the response should be, so what? Because they're just buying it from Facebook anyway, or Meta, or right. they're buying right. it from Google. So it's it's not like they can't get it anyway. Right. It's like, and then it's what like do, our own corporations are selling our data. So. Right. And, and what... 
Yeah, what do right. they really know about me anyway? They 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 know where I live and they they know what I like and it just there, a lot of people know these things, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Snowden happened before TikTok. What difference does it yeah, make? I, exactly. I think that it's it's uh, really just a, a political way to uh, skew people away from like a Chinese uh, property. It, it's a yeah. it's a Chinese item yeah. that's super popular, and people don't like that. And what I really hate is when they compare it to like like they compare the U.S. version or the basically the rest of the world version of TikTok to the Chinese version of TikTok. Now, like, see, the only thing they watch is, is math educational videos on, <laughs> on Chinese TikTok. And, and, oh, the horror. Yeah, all oh, the horror. But see, the thing about it is that, well, if they're only watching a certain type of videos that seem more educational on the Chinese version, it's because the Chinese media is controlled by China. Like, there are certain websites that you can't go to in China. In China, you can't right. look at a picture of the Winnie the Pooh or even talk about Winnie the Pooh, right? So it's so yeah, it's so yeah. many things like Winnie the Pooh is now public domain, but it's like there's no access to, to Winnie the Pooh, at least no legal access to Winnie, Winnie the Pooh in China. So um, yeah, that's because their media is controlled and ours isn't. So we're allowed to look at people dancing. We're allowed to look at uh, political content. And some of my favorite is the uh, biblical uh, scholarship videos. So <laughs> I like the way that it tailors to to your tastes. So uh, it, it's yeah. got a fantastic. It, it does have like among the best right, algorithm, right, right. I feel like for sure. And, and you're right about the conversation is that I think the the concept of stitching or, or duets is like brand new and all the other socials are trying to copy that format but yeah. i think that's mm -hmm. another reason why tiktok is so popular as a matter of fact trying to have like a, a a text conversation or a comment conversation on tiktok is frustrating because they are super limited on characters yeah, <laughs> yeah. i'm it's constantly like, having yeah. to get really creative with how i like want to say something and then like I, I look back at the comment i'm like did i really convey my meaning right right I'm, I'm not sure and i know why it's because that's better. Like, if you want to talk smack, right. you know, it's uh, put up right. a video. That's right. exactly right. At least be real about yeah, it. It's like, Whereas, like, on other apps, you can just say it and never can, have to admit who you, you are right? or what you look you like. You can say yeah. it and spray it. <laughs> right. You can You can say it and spray it. Yeah. You shouldn't, you shouldn't spray it. <laughs> right, right, right. All right. Uh, Thanks. This is a, a fantastic uh, interview. Um, I feel like I've learned a lot, especially about you too. So uh, let me ask you to go ahead and um, talk about your social medias, where people can find you. I can be found at West Talk Movies on TikTok or Westpresso underscore films is also my handle, I believe, on TikTok. Uh, and then if you search like Westpresso bean i think that finds my instagram um i should probably make sure that i know what it is but it's all <laughs> up on a link tree on my tiktok you can find everything that you would ever want to find of me on that link tree so <laughs> go ahead and click on that um and yeah and then uh of course i have with my wonderful co-host gunch who is with us today the film somniacs podcast which is on spotify um well it's on everywhere that you can listen to it actually um so yeah check us out uh we're we we had uh, Zoan talking about uh, the Marco Zorro not too long ago, um, and that was fantastic an absolute song. blast. Yeah, it was fantastic. Great watch. Great having him on the pod. Um, yeah, it was a blast. And that's where you can find me. Yeah, um, 
I I love Wes. Wes is a very dear friend of mine. I'm so happy that we do that pod together. We did go on hiatus because the uh, holidays were looking kind of crazy for the both of us, but we are going to start it back up again. Our last episode was with Zoe, uh, who is fantastic. Zoe, thank you so much for coming on again. You're more than welcome to come back anytime. And thank you for having us on. And uh, my name is Gunch, uh, Film Gunch. You can find me at Gunch or Film Gunch on TikTok. That's the big one that I'm doing right now. Like Wes says, I have a uh, link tree where you can find uh, Film Somniacs information, uh, my Twitch. Um, wait, I haven't really gotten my Twitch started. You know, I'm, I'm probably just going to start doing that on TikTok because I actually like the TikTok community more than the Twitch community. Like, really, TikTok is my favorite one. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah. Got a Discord server. Um, not a lot of people are on that right now, but you're more than welcome to come on and uh, talk about movies and stuff like that. And uh, more more content is coming. Currently producing a radio play that I'm very excited about. And, uh, and I'm writing, which I'm going to start releasing that soon. Yeah. So I'm very excited Your radio about that. play is, uh, is a, a little bit, um, you could say relatable to the film we're talking about today actually yeah yeah it is actually it is uh it's post-apocalyptic um sexy you might even say kind of homoerotic like road warrior is (laughs) well since (laughs) yes i i love road warrior for that reason i love the uh, apocalyptic aesthetic all right yeah yes well um first (laughs) before we move forward uh, i would like to thank you for coming on and thank you for having me on from Somniacs. I had a blast. I had a blast uh, talking about the Mask of Zorro. It was now, is it the Mask of Zorro or the Mark of Zorro? I, yeah, the Mark, the Mark, Mark of Zorro. Of Zorro yeah. And this was uh, the 1932 uh, version, 1930s version, something like that. I can't remember the, yeah. the exact year. but It was 40s. I think it was 1942 or something like they've, that. They've yeah. had some 42? several versions of that movie. So or yeah, just 1940 maybe. Yeah. 1940. Right, right. Yep. So um, the funny thing about it was that I, I would there was a lot of trepidation about watching a movie that was that old because I remember watching. I think I told you I watched pieces of it. I don't remember watching the whole thing all the way through. So a little bit trepidation because of modern filmmaking now and filmmaking back in the, yeah. you know back in the 1940s or whatever. But I found and you're going to get culture shock right, with the writing right, too right, a lot of the time. Yeah. But this movie feels like it that movie felt like it held yes, up. Def- it, um there are some movies in the 40s that really feel like they yeah, hold up. Yeah. Others not yeah. so much. And and sometimes but, I just yeah. I just like the language that they use in the in the 40s or whatnot, or that continental access accent yeah. that they use sometimes. <laughs> the, the trans uh, transatlantic, yeah, transatlantic accent. accent. Yeah, see, we're gonna go here and then we're gonna go there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I, I I do enjoy that sometimes, but um, I, I was pleasantly surprised about how that turned out. So let me ask you real quick. Uh, I, I think it's Amazon Prime has uh, a new version of Zorro. It's going to be a Zorro TV series. It's actually yeah. going to be. Uh, it's it's. I think it was produced in Mexico. Which is apropos. This will be the first time that I know of that there's actually a Zorro that's actually produced in Mexico. So that I, that alone I find fascinating because oh. it's, it's going to be in yeah. Spanish. So it's nice. with English subtitles. That's how it should how be. it should be, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. That's awesome. Wow, that sounds yes. pretty great. I, I've never even heard of that, but the, just you saying that alone makes me super hyped yeah. for yeah, it. Yeah, I had only just heard about this like briefly the other day. I haven't really looked into it much, but yeah, like I think that's so 
I think that's kind of exciting. I'm going to check it out. I'll probably check it out. Yeah, I definitely want to check it out. I've been trying to catch up on and close out other shows that I've been watching so I can get started on Zoro. So I, and then I made the mistake of starting <laughs> mm. a new series that I probably end up finishing. So uh, l- later on, that sort of what, thing. What series it's, is it? What series is place. it? So <laughs> I, was, oh, that's a I was having series. some problems that's with my audio. Right? So it was like I was switching on. I have a smart TV. There are different apps on a smart TV. And I was switching between different apps. And the voices and the lips weren't perfectly synced. So I was going through different shows, trying to figure out what the problem was. If I had to turn off and turn my TV on again, if I had to switch because uh, I was listening through headphones. So if I had to switch headphones uh, or something, because I'm trying to figure it out. And so what it, uh, I was like, and I didn't want to watch like an hour show to figure it out. I just wanted to watch something short. So uh, I looked on Netflix mm. to see if I could find a half hour show. I found a good place. Like, well, I've always heard that this was a good show. So let me try it out. And the premise of that show is outstanding. <laughs> I was like, well, I guess I'm gonna have to finish this then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ted Danson is phenomenal. If you like Ted Danson, he is phenomenal in that show. Anybody listening, I would recommend uh, The Good Place. Yeah. If you like sort of like feel good comedy TV, it is fantastic. Yeah, it's it's a and that that's like one of the best shows you could have like accidentally started right, watching. Right, right, right. <laughs> so you just so you like turned it on to test your yeah. audio, and then you got yeah. sucked in. <laughs> and then <laughs> that's great. And then another show uh, was uh-huh. that I was testing out was Key and Peel. I was trying to find. I had started watching like a while ago, and mm. I, I think I got like maybe the middle of the second season. But now I don't know where I was when I left off, so I'm starting all over again. And it's just as funny that, as I watched it the first time. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, they're great. Uh and another show I was looking at was uh oh I can't remember. Oh, Generation V, because I have to finish that out. I'm I'm down to the last episode, so that ought to be I'll oh yeah. That real quick. That's the boys, uh the creators oh, of the yeah, boys, yeah, right? The boys spinoff. It's it's absolutely fantastic. <laughs> I'm I got I'm I'm sort of lukewarm on the boys, but I really like uh Invincible. That was one I watched yeah. recently and really really big fan of that because that reminds me of like the old justice league yeah. <laughs> i don't know if you guys have seen it but yeah you know league, what i mean if they were bloody <laughs> <laughs> right if they were bloody and like yeah. raunchy yeah. oh the, the second season I, i'm yeah. actually ahead of it because i actually started reading the books before i even knew the tv series come out like i remember oh, the nice. books that came out like in the 90s and i and people used to talk about what a, a great series this was i never got around to it and i think like Maybe a, a few years ago, uh, I, I was on Comixology when that was a thing. And they had uh, mm. Comixology will have featured uh, featured books that you can get for free. Like you can borrow the books and read the books. So Invincible was one of those. And so I thought, well, I've always liked or heard that Invincible was good. So let me try this out. And so I tried it out. And then and now I can't stop reading. It's, it's a fantastic series. So the, the second part of this second season is going to be absolutely bananas. And I can't wait for you to experience that. <laughs> I'm, I'm hyped. <laughs> yeah. The, that's, that's a book I want to, that's a, a comic I wanted to start yeah, reading. Us. Um, Cause I absolutely love that show. Us. Love the it. The same guy that wrote the walking dead wrote invincible. So oh, nice. you're in for mm. a treat. <laughs> I'm, and I'm, I'm not a fan of the show of walking dead really, but the comics are incredible. Right. right. So, in my opinion, in my humble no, you're opinion, fine. It, you, a lot of people share that opinion. So, <laughs> Gunch, um, how about you start us off with the opening credits? Mad Max Two, 
uh, known in America as Road Warrior, right? Because Mad Max 1 didn't really have a wide American release. So Mad Max 2 would not have made sense as a title because a lot of Americans didn't didn't wasn't weren't aware of Mad Max 1. Um, which we were talking about this before we started really getting into the show, but that was why it, this this movie sort of took the Evil Dead 2 approach where it had that uh, quick sort of recap in the beginning of the first film. So I thought I should rewatch both of these films um, since we're talking about them today. So I ended up rewatching both of them. And Mad Max 1, uh, you guys have seen Mad Max 1, yes. right? So it's a little slower. Um, and then Mad Max 2 really turns that notch up to like 11. <laughs> so, I mean, like 11,000. Right, right, right. Mad <laughs> really Max get, 1 they really get crazy. Almost seems like a normal cop. Almost. Almost yeah. seems like a normal cop. Yeah. Just a little it's not, extra. <laughs> it's not really apocalyptic. There's no. news and cops right, yeah, and right. stuff. This is like before. There's still society. Just like yeah. going the edge of yeah. the apocalypse. And uh, he's, he's a cop and a police. Person. Right. And I had seen Mad Max 2 before the first one. So when I watched the first one, I was a little bit disappointed and I still don't think it's like a, a great movie. And I'm only disappointed because no, I yeah. seen Mad Max two, right. Good. And it's yeah. like, that's yeah. high octane action. So I'm expecting that in Mad Max yeah. and I don't see it. So I'm like, eh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this was a splendid film and, and Fury road. I mean, that's a, a splendid, yeah. splendid, splendid film, five-star film. Absolutely. I have this theory well, okay. I'll get to the theory later. Let's just talk about the movie. Um, so after the fall of civilization, oil became the most precious known resource and our community sat on a wealth of it in the desert, the community that this film follows, uh, the Australian community, because all of these are set in Australia, produced in Australia. Uh, so lately we've come under daily threat and harassment by a ruthless gang leader known as the Lord humongous, which is maybe the best villain name I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> it's <laughs> And he's dressed like absolutely ridiculous. It's so, so good. He's, uh, it's a hockey mask with like a leather studded. Let me, uh, <laughs> let me interject and say that uh, he looks better than he runs. Okay, continue. Yeah, his run is crazy. I noticed that this time too. I was like, what is he doing? <laughs> he can't, yeah, he can't move very fast. Um, yeah, uh, he's not really that. I mean, it doesn't seem like he's that good of a fighter. Uh, he's very, like, it's very proto a Morton Joe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, all of them. Yeah. All of the villains after, yeah. uh, yes. after this one is based on him. Yeah. Well, and then I didn't know this. I just want to jump into this tiny fun fact, which you guys probably knew this, but the guy who played uh, the main villain of the first yeah, one, the toe cutter is the same guy a as a Morton Joe and Fury road. Same actor. Oh, oh, the same actor. Yeah. Yeah. Same actor. Oh, that's totally yeah, awesome. Same actor. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so anyways, uh, so it's a ruthless gang, which isn't referenced in the movie. I don't think it's ever referenced in the movie, but supposedly the canonically they're called the Marauders. Oh, they, they mentioned, by, uh, they mentioned Marauders in the movie. I don't know if they're called Marauders, they do mention but they, it. they are called Marauders in the movie. Marauders. And they're, uh, they're led by Lord Humongous, the Lord, the Lord Humongous. <laughs> we know that, uh, Humongous and his vicious Marauders will soon wear us down, kill us all, take what they want. 
Our home has become a prison, and we must escape from it with as much oil as we can carry, because that's the most precious resource. We have a plan that a decent chance of success, with a decent chance of success, thanks to the arrival of a mysterious and resourceful stranger, Max, the road warrior. A lone stranger and his dog, of course, because it's a man and his dog, cruising the barren land in this rare 1973 Ford Falcon XB Interceptor, a man that we only know as Max, the road warrior. You know, what's interesting is that uh, as soon as I saw that car, I'm not even a car guy, but I saw it and I was and I started looking for it on the Internet because I never heard of the Ford Falcon. And then uh, I found that there's a company that will actually build you. A Ford Falcon. I was like, nice. if wow. I was if I was only wealthy, because I'm pretty sure that building <laughs> a brand, uh, building a Ford Falcon Interceptor with with the seat on the American side is probably it's mm. it's probably a pretty penny. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that there's probably something similar for that for like uh, DeLoreans. Oh too. yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure. De- right, there's probably a company yeah. that'll build yeah. you uh, Back to the Future accurate <laughs> DeLorean, a Mad Max accurate Interceptor with like, um, the crazy. I don't even know what it's called. The engine that sticks yeah, out of the yeah, hood. Yeah, I'm not a car guy <laughs> either. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I think that's some sort of intake. <laughs> Uh, whatchamacallit, like some turbo oh, yeah. intake that sucks the in the engine. I think it's something. called a ram scoop. It sucks in the air to, to okay. you know, do cool. the oxygen for the engine or whatever. Uh, <laughs> so so let's just call it what it really is. It's the sneezy car from Cars yeah. nose. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this movie, Mad Max 2, was released May 21st uh, in 1982 in, in America. So like, uh, like Gunch says, in this country, it was called the Road Warrior, and sometimes you see it billed as Mad Max Two: The Road Warrior. It was produced by Kennedy Miller Production. It grossed over twenty-three million dollars on a budget of three million dollars. I couldn't find the international uh, budget because I'm pretty sure it was released in Australia, but I, I couldn't find those numbers. <laughs> so I just have the American and Canadian numbers. Um, so uh, to to put that in perspective, because this this movie came out a while ago. We want to adjust it for inflation. We, if it were made today, it would have grossed seventy-two million dollars, and the budget would have been nine million dollars. So that is magnus spectacular. That yeah. is that is uh, what filmmakers want. They want to spend as little money as possible and make as much money as possible. And uh, regarding, uh, regardless of all the how you feel about the movie critically, what the studio is looking for is something that's going to make a lot of money. <laughs> Regardless yeah. of inflation, that budget is tiny compared to the scope of this film, though. Like, that's crazy. Three oh, million dollars. Yeah. yeah oh, my goodness. And that was at that point, that was the most expensive film ever made in Australia. Yeah, which yeah. Is crazy. Uh, it's obviously since been surpassed, even when you factor in inflation. Right, right, absolutely. Um, but like, you guys know what the, the top one is as of today, right? Is it Lord of the Rings? The top uh, highest produced film in Australia. Is it talk to me now? It's Fury Road. Oh, oh okay. It's so another they... Mad Max, of course, of course. Right. Did not know. <laughs> of course. That's awesome. So this that, film that is awesome. This film is starring Mel Gibson as Max. You may have seen him in Braveheart, Lethal Weapon, Conspiracy Theory, or Ransom. Now he has been of late kind of ornery, and uh, so we won't talk 
too much about what he does outside of the film industry. But inside of the film industry, as an actor and a director and a producer, he he, he does good work. I'm going to have to admit that. You know, I've always liked uh, yeah. the movies that he was in. I think I was introduced to him in Lethal Weapon and the Lethal Weapon series. It's always been great. He has a terrible terrible american accent even though he is <laughs> technically an american he was born in new york city he he's he was he's an american but he has a terrible accent and he he couldn't fix it and i'm, I'm sorry to see that that he never learned <laughs> he never learned our accent but still that's it's fine yeah he he is a good actor yeah he's a good actor a terrible person yeah but a good yeah actor. absolutely <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> um yeah so and then of course we have bruce spence uh the gyro captain um who is in revenge of the sith and the matrix revolutions and dark city i didn't know that he was in any of those three films Same. yeah so that's kind of crazy um, here's what's funny i don't remember wh- where he was in revenge of the sith probably in makeup that you a lot of great actors they, they yeah. go under the makeup in star wars but in the mm-hmm. matrix allow me to jog your memory the matrix revolutions he was the train man wow he was that guy. oh wow he was that and guy. that dude is so gross yeah. in that movie <laughs> <laughs> wow he's the train man down here I'm down here. I'm yeah, God. Yeah. That's all I remember. <laughs> and here's the thing, right? A lot of times when you see a movie, because I didn't remember him, remember him at first, and I'm like, I figure, out, I, you know, I would look him up on the Matrix because that's the because uh, I didn't bother looking up what he looked like in Revenge of the Sith, and I never saw Dark City, so I don't have a reference. Oh, Dark City, phenomenal! I heard film. it's good. I and guaranteed, he out. was in some. F- guaranteed he was in some freaky right, makeup right, in dark right, city right. because it's like rufus sewell and then like Kiefer sutherland and everybody else plays like an absolute creep show 99 <laughs> in that movie but rufus sewell is the only like remotely normal one but in in the matrix he had such uh a powerful role in that movie so it's worth noting his performance in that movie uh wes he's great he was great as the gyro captain it takes yeah. a lot to make the comedic side character yeah. really enjoyable really good character in my actor, opinion for sure. he he, stra- uh, he straddled between um uh annoying and funny at the same time <laughs> yeah yeah he, he did the balance well yeah it, i'm saying it it worked in my opinion i mean it, yeah, it, it, yeah absolutely yeah, but I'm, I'm just annoyed at him as max is uh, and it, it <laughs> yeah, works on that yeah. level like i get what you're trying to do but i want to punch you in the face too <laughs> right Right. His like yellow, he had some like bright His yellow teeth. tights. Yeah, oh. he was like, yeah, oh, terrible. He was, wearing, like, he was wearing like yellow pajamas. That was a yeah. remarkable costuming. Yeah. Uh, it was the co- fantastic. Yeah. He he basically came right out of a comic book. He works on so many levels with his costume work. Oh, completely. Yes. He throws snakes at people. <laughs> right, right. Comic book <laughs> so crazy. Oh my goodness. I love it. My right, and then of course the next we guy. have yeah and then of course we have uh michael preston who plays papa gallo and uh his credits are the getaway and steal yeah um uh, most of mm. these actors have mad tv credits i just tried to put down uh the film credits being this being a film podcast so he didn't have a lot of movie credits uh as a matter of fact of all the people on this ca- in this cast who uh 
it's really Mel Gibson who who had the most film credits and Bruce Spence. He had a lot of film yeah. credits, but pretty much everybody else were TV actors. So, mm-hmm. um, for example, mm-hmm. Max Phillips or Phipps, Max Phipps, he played the Toady, and he's been in a couple of films. One is called Nate and Hayes. The other is called Stir, and the other is called Thirst. And and I think that was all I could find on him. But for the most part, uh, I'm uh, I want to say he's a, a functioning television actor. <laughs> nice. I'm I'm gonna presume that's not the uh, the Park Chan Wook. Korean yeah, that's what I was film. wondering too. That's not the Vampire right. Thirst, is it? Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> I think a lot of these films are British. Films. I haven't, I haven't seen that one yet. I, regrettably. Yeah. Um. Then we have Vernon Wells as Wes. Wes. That's uh, with a yeah. Z. <laughs> or <laughs> who's in Commando? Weird Science. Who I'm willing to bet he played the uh, freaky motorcycle guy in Weird Science. Probably it's been a while since I watched that. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. But... <laughs> He plays a freaky motorcycle guy in this one, and an uh, in inner space. Wow, that's uh, that's one that jogs the old. You know, memory. I forgot. Martin Vernon Wells is also one of those actors who had a lot of films. Do you remember who he played in Commando? I don't think I've seen Commando. You got you got to what is you got to get into you got to get into the the eighties action movies that was dominated yeah, by yeah. Schwarzenegger, sure. <laughs> uh, Jean Claude Van Damme, yeah, and. Uh, there was another guy uh, who was big and muscular and dominated that genre. But anyway, Commando. Uh, Stallone. Yeah, Sylvester Stallone. Sylvester. That That is definitely the, the person I was thinking about. So Commando is uh, an action movie starring Schwarzenegger. He's uh, the titular Commando. It's, uh, there's one actress that was in the movie uh, that everybody knows, but I can't think of her name right now. But she's... Uh, Everybody likes him. But anyways, besides the point. So Vernon Wells plays the the villain in that movie. So he kidnaps the commando's daughter and the commando has to go and rescue his daughter. It's lots of fighting, lots of explosions. And the thing that people love about this movie are the classic Arnold Schwarzenegger one-liners. They they were fantastic in this movie. (laughs) Oh, those are fantastic. I love those every time. (laughs) They were (laughs) They were awesome. Um, it, that dude's unbeatable when it comes yeah, to action. He hero just one-liners. knows how to deliver them. So he he delivers these one-liners great. Um, it has Radon Chong in it. And uh, like I said, Vernon Wells plays the bad guy. And he plays the guy named... I can't remember his name. It doesn't matter. Uh <laughs> As it, <laughs> he, plays a, he plays a guy named... Uh, Bennett. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I wanted to say Matrix, but I remember Matrix was the character that Arnold Schwarzenegger plays. But uh, I encourage you to watch uh, some of these uh, these slock movies. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Speaking of action 80s, um, I don't know if you read this, if you guys read this, but George Miller apparently turned down the opportunity to direct First Blood in order to make this. Wow. Nice. Did you guys know That's that? Wow, I didn't know that. Could you imagine how different that movie would have been? Really Actually, different. I don't know if it would have been that that much different. Um, I mean, only because maybe because but... he directed um, Mad Max, and Mad Max has the same type of pacing as First Blood, and um, I, I mean, obviously the story would have yeah. been slightly different, but I, I think he would have understood the vibe that the movie was trying to bring because it's Matt uh, First Blood is way different from. 
the sequels. So First Blood basically mm-hmm. focused That's true. on like the treatment of Vietnam veterans. And it was just like gripping, uh, especially for that time, uh, the sentiment of the people, how they felt towards veterans versus how they feel about veterans today. <laughs> just yeah. me being a veteran myself, I would take how they, I, I would take the hero worship over being spat upon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Th- those are my favorite kind of war movies that really get into like the ja- the damaging effects of war, yeah. like psychologically, yeah. you know, that's always so, so interesting yeah. to me. And also uh, the, um, that movie is based on a, a book, the book, it, it hears a little bit close to the book. It's it's not wildly different except for one key factor that happened at the end of the book that did not happen at the end of the movie. So, uh, but other than that, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's different and it's a great film. And I think that, uh, I think that Miller would have did a great job if, had he done it. Yeah. I think he would have. Yeah. I'm, I, I don't think he would have done bad at all. I, I, okay. I just want to segue into this theory now that I had earlier. Here's my theory. Okay. So we watched the first Mad Max. Anybody who's listening, uh, if you watch the first Mad Max, my theory is that somebody watched Mad Max and then they told George Miller, you know, it was a little slow <laughs> and he really took that to heart. He was like, I'm never going to make a slow movie again. Every single movie I make is going to be faster paced than the right, last. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. Uh, Kiel Nilsson. Um, I hope I'm saying that correctly. Kiel Nilsson. I, I, I wish Lord. I had looked it up. I failed to look it up. I'm sorry <laughs> I stuck you with his name. Uh, no, it's but... all good. <laughs> it, I think it's Norwegian the... or something like that. Somewhere yeah, it there. looks uh, Nordic or, or yeah, Swedish, yeah. maybe. Um, but uh, he played the the inimitable Lord Humongous. <laughs> Iconic. Uh, he is also known for... The pirate movie, Stanley, Every Home Should Have One. I've never heard of that. Yeah. These are uh, all. Every Home Should Have One. <laughs> I believe these are Australian releases or Australian productions. Nice. And um, he's basically a bodybuilder. That's pretty much yeah. what he does. He may have done some modeling. Um, I didn't see a lot of TV credits. So these are the movies that he's known for. And these are the movies that he's done. And, and he's done. He's like he's he's that guy that you got because he was big and he did a couple of movies and then he goes back to being a bodybuilder or whatever. So (laughs) (laughs) what's next is uh, Emil Minty. He played the Feral Kid. He's been in The Winds of Jeremiah and Flute Man. He's done some stuff recently, but for the most part, he has not continued acting throughout his career. But he had he does have a a healthy amount of TV credits, but. unsettling as as the feral kid i'll say that <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> truly feral Definitely. he that was another good job by him to like make uh because i i personally feel like a lot of kid side characters in 80s movies can get kind of annoying but i never felt that way about the feral kid yeah <laughs> i don't know i mean it's not every time but it's a lot of the right 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 i i don't know if uh Annoying is how I would describe the feral kid. I think unsettling for me is is the best description. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, a little scary, yeah, but yeah. Uh, very great, yeah. very great. And he had the boomerang, yeah, yeah. and that made me want to get a boomerang. Oh, really? Also, <laughs> <laughs> the, 
played Boomerang, just so classic. Yeah. Right. Uh, then we have Virginia Hay, the warrior woman, uh, who is in Rubovich and Farscape. I think I have seen Farscape many, many years right. ago, but I don't remember anything about it. So Virginia Hay, the reason I included that credit, so Farscape is a TV show, for those of you who don't know. Uh, the reason I included it is because it's one mm. of my favorite shows, and she does such a fantastic job. It's like when you watch Mad Max 2, you don't know whether or not she's a great uh even a good actor because she's not really doing that much. She's doing a job that pretty much everybody, anybody could have done. They could have gotten a guy off the street and played that part. And just mm. does just, a, you know, just a good job, <laughs> just, just as good as a job as Virginia Hay did. But, um, and like I said, she wasn't really given much to work with. She wasn't a main character, but in Farscape, she's fantastic. <laughs> farscape it's like a it's like a space thing yeah, right Fars- like a sci-fi yeah, show farscape is i, I love that kind of yeah stuff. i love it so it's it's actually produced by the henson company and uh it's got a lot of realistic looking buckets on there it's like everybody like nice. there's a a human character named john Crichton, and he's pretty much the only human on the crew virginia hay is covered in blue makeup she's a nice the best way to describe her is a sex priestess. Um, not that she's going out having sex with everybody, but everybody wants to do her when she's in their presence. That's the kind of thing. She just gives off that type of vibe. <laughs> so is she like the OG, like hot alien lady? Yeah, she's a bald headed hot alien lady That's with blue nice. skin. <laughs> <laughs> Nebula's shaking in her shoes right now. <laughs> right, right, right. So, uh, yeah, that's the only reason I included that uh, that um, that credit. But uh, she looks fantastic in this movie, uh, and and I just enjoyed seeing her. Yeah, and if Henson's involved, that's an instant sell. Yeah, for me, yeah. That sounds very with anything. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then, of course, we have Arky Whiteley who plays the captain's girl and she is known for the killing of angel street. Right. And she has a lot of TV mm-hmm. credits, but uh, they call her the captain's girl. Cause it's in reference to the gyro captain. So, and he's a funny character oh. and uh, we're going to get into uh, basically his characters. Like in, in when we talk about our favorite parts of the movie, because uh, he's, he's shifty. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So she, she's the girl with the headband. Am I right? Yeah, with the weird. It's like a rope. It's yeah. A, it's a, it's a. <laughs> or yeah, she has a headband. It's a weird. Uh, she also has a weird uh, ponytail. Like it's a ponytail that sticks yeah. out on the top of her head, and uh, it's yeah. like it's the kind of thing that you see it and you go, you know what? That's bad fashion. <laughs> <laughs> it's like tied up with like a hemp rope type thing. Like it almost looks like like a noose yeah, knot yeah. or something an, weird. Like <laughs> right, that. right, right. So this movie oh, was. I love the costume in this movie. This movie was directed by George Miller. Uh, he's also directed George. Three Thousand Years of Longing. I don't know if you watch movies during the pandemic, but this was one of those movies that he introduced. Uh, this is like near the end of the pandemic. So before the movie starts, he sits down in, in in the theater and he's telling the audience how much he appreciates them coming back to the theater. So that was fun at first, and then it yeah. got annoying. Mm-hmm. Like it, it really oh. got annoying. It's like yeah, when every single please stop yeah. doing that. <laughs> doing that. <laughs> and yeah. he's, he's also he has a very eclectic 
filmography. So he's also done Happy Feet, Lorenzo's Oil, The Witches yeah. of Eastwick, and Babe Pig Love in the that City. Film. Uh, most of these he's written. So yeah, he's uh, he's into a lot. He, his hands is, are in a lot of different pods. Yeah. Have you guys seen Witches of Eastwick? I haven't. I have not. <laughs> I've always wanted to see it Freaking just great because film. Great just film. because of uh, what's his name? That the Jack Joker, Nicholson. yeah, Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson. <laughs> he's got like he has a freak out scene in a church where he's like screaming to a bunch of people <laughs> in a church, and I feel like he's covered with like honey oh. or some sort of sticky slime like substance, <laughs> and he's screaming and like kicking his feet around, and he's like, "Did God give us women, or or yeah, did did God give us women to punish up, or did he just do us, or did he just do it on accident, or something like?" It's like this crazy wild <laughs> scene. It's just like one of the best freakouts in movies. I highly recommend it. That's pretty awesome. Um, so it was written by Terry Hayes, George Miller, and Brian Hennant. Hennant. That sounds good Tenant. to me. <laughs> yeah. Has, has George Miller written every movie he's been a he's part of? He's written most of his movies, yeah. Nice. Did he write the first Mad Max? I think so. I, be- I think he wrote the first one. I feel like he wrote Fury Road. Right. He definitely wrote uh, Beyond Thunderdome, right? I didn't check. But he's he's definitely yeah. written most of his um, movies. Yeah, he co-wrote. Oh, he did. Here it is. Yeah. So, so Hayes wrote Dead Calm, From Hell, Vertical Limit, and Payback. Nice. Um, And Miller, um, Miller was so he was an uncredited writer on Three Thousand Years of Longing, and Happy Feet, and Babe Pig in the City. He credited on those. No, he was uncredited just on Mad Max Two. And okay. the rest of but he did write Mad Max right. One. He did write Babe Pig in the City, uh, Pig in the City, uh, Happy Feet, um, Three Thousand Years of Longing. Yeah, all of those he got credit for. Mm-hmm. I feel like he probably wrote his other movies probably. too. I wouldn't be surprised. He's, I, yeah, wrote, wrote or and, co-wrote. Uh, and actually, he's. I don't. I don't know. Probably co-wrote. Actually, he's going to get credit for Mad Max, even if he like didn't actually write the movie, like the story, or the script. Because he wrote the first one, and the first one are based on the characters that he wrote for this one. So because right. the the story is based on That's his characters, true. he's always going to get credited for Mad Max 2, no matter who else was on the script or the story. That's a good point. It's like if uh, producers... It's like sometimes people get producer credits just for taking a lower salary. Right, right, right. Like if they're actors, right. even though they don't actually do anything on the production. Right. <laughs> and sometimes they do all sorts of things on the production. So it's like, it, it's sort of a hard title to differentiate. Um, and then Hanant wrote The Time Guardian, What Price, Valor, and Flashpoint. Right. Now, he didn't Flashpoint, write a lot of stuff. Man. And I don't know these movies. But he, yeah. he was important. He was important to this production. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and then the music and this name made me do a double take when I saw it in the credits. And I think it's made me do a double take in probably Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare as well, is by Brian May. The music is by Brian May. It's not the one from Queen. Uh, it's not the Brian May. It's a Brian May. It is, it is a Brian May, um, but it is very confusing anytime his name shows up in the credits. Uh 
because I double took when I was watching this last night. And then I was like, that's obviously not Queen Brandy. And then uh, looking at the show notes here and seeing that he also wrote for Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. I was like, oh, I've also when I watched that movie, had the same experience. It like was like a flashback. But he also did the music for uh, a movie called Dr. Giggles, Hurricane Smith and The Blue Lagoon, as well as the other two that we have mentioned. Mm. But like. He needs to change his name if he's going to be making music. <laughs> no, because no, no. he's making confusing. He's making movie, uh, music for the film industry. So yeah, it's true. It's totally yes. cool. there is enough separation. Right right, right, right. Right. Now, if he was like a rock musician, then he yeah, would have probably called himself like <laughs> Brian the Haymaker May or something like that. Yeah, like, maybe he would just go by <laughs> yeah, Haymaker. Brian the Haymaker in quotes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um. I've never seen uh, any of those other movies besides from uh, Freddy's Dead <laughs> a long time ago. Right, right, right. But have you seen any? Have you seen any of the other ones though? Are they any good? I think I've seen Doctor Giggles. Did not like that. Uh, I've seen mm-hmm. snippets of the Blue Lagoon. I may have watched the whole movie. I don't know. All I know is that at the time it was notorious for being one of the most horny teenage movies that you could ever watch. Uh, <laughs> that's you, all I remember of. Right, it, right. I've never, right. I've never seen yeah, it. That's, what I've that's heard. all I remember of. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, um, and it had a reputation. So I know I've watched some of it, but I don't know if I watched it from beginning to end. Uh, but any other ones I'm, I'm not all that familiar with. Uh, the Dr. Giggles, like I said, I, I'm pretty sure that I've seen it, but it's such an unforgettable, I mean, it's such a forgettable war movie. <laughs> the only thing that's memorable about it is that it stars, I can't remember his name, but I like this uh, show called L.A. Law. <laughs> Sorry. The only thing that's memorable about it is it stars a guy who I can't right, remember Right, right, name. right, right. That's exactly right. Uh, so, um, he, he was, it was a guy, he was on LA Law, and he played a person who was uh, mentally challenged. And because in, in most work environments, you always had the mentally challenged, uh, employee or worker or co worker or whatever. And so he played, uh, that character. So when I saw him, in, and I've only seen him in that. So when I saw him in Dr. Giggles, it, it's, uh, it's shocking. It's he, cause he's different, right? He's like confident. He's different. He's not. Mentally retarded. I'm sorry, yeah. that's not the right word. He's not mentally. What's the word that people say nowadays? I'm sorry, I'm old and I'm I'm using old language. Mentally, mentally challenged, challenged. Uh, on the spectrum. <laughs> he's, he's um, development. The R word was at one point the correct. <laughs> yes, it was term, the correct term. But it got it, soured, it got soured yeah. because um, people yeah. uh, uh, would yeah. make it sour because they would call other people that term. Yeah, and uh, and the right. reason that was correct, it, had, it grew a bad connotation. Right. right. Which is right. sad, but that's the and the reason that it was correct because of our it people. means like to retard something means to hold back. So you have like flame retardant because it's it it holds back the flame. So mm. it is yeah. So that's what they use it. But I don't even. It's like it's gotten to the point of where I don't even like to use that word to describe things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, you're you're afraid, um, you're afraid to say because like wait a minute, is this right? <laughs> It's yeah. It's just like I don't know. It's just, it, it's just feels such icky a now. greasy right, word. Right. It feels, yeah. They ruined it. Yeah, it's just such a greasy <laughs> they word. They ruined yeah. the word. And and my brother is my brother is uh, on the spectrum, and I've heard it. Right, like, right. I've heard people call him that, and that maybe soured it for me even right, more right. than it would for like a normal right. person. So that's probably why. Right, right. Um, but yeah. So. So, anyways um like when you it's still weird when people play characters right, like that right, right and then they go back to do, right doing to regular to doing yeah. oh he's also it's like have you guys seen dark man i haven't so yeah he, wait he's the 
I'm thinking I'm thinking of the one with Tim Curry. That's the shadow. No, Dark Man is the one with uh oh I I can't remember anybody. Liam Neeson, name. right? Uh quite Liam Neeson, yeah, Liam Neeson, Neeson it, right? thank you. Uh, Qui-Gon yeah. Jinn. Yeah, I was going to say Qui-Gon Jinn. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. So uh, Darkman. That's his the, real the name. The Darkman starred Qui-Gon Jinn and um, the his bad guy, one of the sub bad guys, not like the main bad guy, but the sub bad guy, the sub boss, the the the, the minor boss was Dr. Giggles. Sub boss. <laughs> oh, right, nice. Right. So if you remember the big fat dude that was cutting people's fingers off, it's that guy. Anyways, we've gone on a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> so we are going to transition to the announcement. And I, I just want to let people know that because uh, that's it for the opening credits. Um, I want to continue to encourage people to sign up for our newsletter. And if you sign up, you'll have a chance to win a Nifty Felix the Cat emoji t-shirt. It's got Felix the Cat oh, yeah. and all his emoji glories. I need to work on another uh, t-shirt with a character with emojis on it. Uh, probably, bug, uh, not Bugs Bunny, um, another uh public domain character now mickey Steam mouse you could do Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> mickey mouse you could do uh yeah, yeah, Steam mouse, mouse, yeah OG mickey mouse. i just can't yeah. like i can say mickey mouse but i can't call him mickey mouse <laughs> yeah they're, they're making a uh they're making a horror like a la like video game, yeah, right? yeah of the well yeah right. video game but also like yeah, a movie of, of, of the steamboat, uh, steamboat willie mouse <laughs> right, right. and I, I didn't even really check but i feel like it's probably by the same people who did blood and honey probably. like oh let's just take these lovable characters Characters who have recently become public right, domain. Right, like and absolutely horror. Just like a big old <laughs> middle finger up at Disney. And then, um, yeah. what you call it? Uh, uh, what's his name? Oh, I can't remember anybody's name. Um, <laughs> is a British comedian. He has a talk show, uh, and he brought on Mickey Mouse. A guy dressed in Steamboat as Steamboat Willie. And he's like, what are you going to do now, Disney? Huh? What are you going to do now? <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, I love yeah. it. I love so, it. So, um, yeah, so you... I just want to let our audience know you have a chance to win this T-shirt. All you have to do is sign up for the newsletter. Go to backlinkcinema.com for details. Um, I'm still working on new blogs, mm. so check. Uh, be patient. They're coming out. Um, also, remind people on 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings, I have the Sunday morning snap on Twitch where I play Marvel Snap. Have you heard of this game? Oh, yeah. Uh, I love it. It's a card combat right, game, right? It's a card right? combat game. I didn't think, yeah, I love. Those. I didn't think I would ever love card combat games. They seem to go on forever. It feels like there's no point. But I've gotten so into Marvel Snap. <laughs> Not as much as some people like the Some people know like all the technical terms and whatnot. Uh, so I'm not that deep into it. But I just enjoy playing it. So it, and sometimes when you play, it gives you an immense sense of satisfaction so uh i'm now playing oh, that yeah. on twitch because uh, i'm going to play it anyway might as well see if people are watching <laughs> play. <laughs> card, card combat games always feel uh they always make me feel smart yeah absolutely oh <laughs> yeah and <laughs> and then them. they can make you feel dumb so yeah i encourage <laughs> yeah yeah well that's the <laughs> other thing they always make me feel dumb too yeah so i would encourage you to go check that yeah. out if you like card combat games cool. you should really check out marvel snap it's a and and it's so short too. That's another reason I like about it. Like a a single match will probably mm-hmm. last about five minutes. Uh, and so it's like if you're waiting in line for uh, at um, what do you call that place? Uh, that the the burrito place that everybody likes. If you're waiting in line <laughs> at that place, and it's a especially long line. Taco Bell. No, not Taco Bell. You know I'm not talking about Taco Bell. Chipotle. They don't even Chipotle. They don't even use real Chipotle. meat at Taco Bell. Yeah, if you're waiting at Qdoba. <laughs> if you're waiting in the Chipotle yeah. line, you could probably finish a match before you get to uh, the the cash register <laughs> to order your meal. 
So um, yeah, it's a fun game. I'm having a ball. And then uh, now, if you have not heard, like you, cool. you guys, you already have a podcast on YouTube. So this is not for you. And yours is a video podcast. So it's like when you produce your video, oh, yeah. it's already on YouTube. So that's great. But for fellows like me, for ladies and gentlemen, and gender non-conforming people like me, I'm not gender non-conforming, but <laughs> but people like me. <laughs> but you're but you're human. Yeah, humans. <laughs> and and we're humans, all human. I, did, I didn't want to because it's like when I said it, it sounded wrong as soon as I said it. <laughs> For humans like me, uh, who we only have an audio only podcast. My podcast is been audio only from the beginning. Every once in a while, I put a snippet or clip on YouTube or. Uh, some other social media, but for the most part, uh, you don't actually see me unless I'm on Film Somniacs or another show that does video podcasts. But um, so for those of you who don't have a video component, it is now possible for you to upload your RSS feed to YouTube and it'll appear in YouTube yeah. and YouTube Music. And oh. so now you have a chance to open up your podcast to a whole new audience. Now on YouTube, what you'll be presented with is a static image of whatever your episode art is. So your episode art or your podcast art. So it, depending on how you, uh. your, uh, what do you call it? Your podcast uh, host. The thumbnail? Yeah. Oh. And, and in accordance to how your podcast host operates. Now, what was funny is like, so I have Simplecast. And in Simplecast, I noticed some minor changes. Like first... The first change was that I saw that there were thumbnails available for, well, first episode art available for YouTube. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. YouTube must be gearing up. And then I saw that they did the episode art. And then the, the next thing that I saw was that it had kind of like a warning. It, and the warning was um, like on your RSS feed, you have the option of using your email address or not. And lately, some people have been saying, oh. you know, maybe I don't want to use my US, my email address in my RSS feed and they take it out. And there's some kind of finagling that uh, that your podcast host provider would do to replace your email in order to verify your podcast with uh, pro- podcast providers or whatever. But um, sure, we we just use a we made an email specifically for right, our right. Pod. That's exactly what everyone yeah. should do: make an email specifically for your podcast. So what happens mm-hmm. is that. Uh, they put that warning there because YouTube will not work without your email address. It needs an email address in your RSS feed in order to be displayed on YouTube. Hmm. So, um, so there's that, but um, it's, I, I looked at it on YouTube. I was like, cool. I have a chance to get a whole new audience. And then uh, YouTube analytics are bananas. So <laughs> yeah. if, you, if you put your wow. show on YouTube, you'll get all of the that juicy, juicy analytics in, and you can knock yourself out with that. <laughs> That's cool. We should look into that. Yeah. Spot, Spotify does video podcasts. Yeah. I always felt like that was kind of weird. Yeah. Nobody's going to be I, watching a video on Spotify. Yeah. I found that out accidentally. <laughs> right, yeah. right, right. When I accidentally uploaded a video file instead of not. Yeah, I remember I clicked on that and I was like, oh, it's the video. How strange. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> on Spotify. Yeah. yeah I, I realized Spotify that, is uh, unique in like that. two weeks after I posted right. it. Right. Spotify <laughs> is unique in that it will display your video podcast. I mean, since you guys already have. A video podcast on YouTube, it's really not necessary for you to put your audio on there too. It'll probably cause brand confusion. Yeah. But if you decide to start another podcast and, and you don't want to do the video mm-hmm. for that, then that's a great choice. Uh, but this this is for mm-hmm. all us basic bitches who don't want to do a video component. <laughs> <laughs> 
but Zoe, you look so handsome. Yeah, no, you'd be uh, great as video. Yeah, I'm, I'm not chancing it. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. that's it for uh, the announcements. Uh, Let's move over to the next segment, so where we talk about our favorite parts. Mm. All right, so a lot of contenders for this movie. Yeah. Yeah, so um, let us talk about, uh, we, we're going to try to narrow it down to five of our favorite parts of this movie. So how about we, uh, either one of you can open this up. I mean, it's Wes, such go ahead. a basic answer, and I've, it's, it, I'm, it, it's so basic to the point where I've literally had uh, film professors mention this as as an example but the opening scene after the prologue which i honestly think the prologue is doing too much we could do without it completely i get why they had it in because you know as we spoke about the first one wasn't distributed in the u.s at the time but anyway after the prologue, they needed it for the time yeah, they needed it for the time but after the weird prologue with the voiceover you know once that's over the opening scene out you know with mad max running away from wes the uh the biker marauder and uh he, he has to get gas and all that whole whole bit up until uh i i believe the title card is a, is it after that bit or is it before that bit anyway i think it's like right in the beginning yeah so that there's a title so probably card. after that bit um just that whole bit when he gets up to the point where he gets the music box that sings happy birthday like it's it's just a brilliant character introduction it's a brilliant setup because that's the tanker that he has to go back and get it 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 does everything it needs to do and more it's an incredibly efficient opening scene and uh it it has to be it has to be mentioned yeah absolutely uh the thing that was remarkable about that scene was that i've always remembered like max is a badass like he's 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 like the most ruthless the most cunning the most actiony action hero in in because and this is his movie so this is somebody you got to watch out for but what was remarkable was how frightened he was in the beginning like this isn't an an action hero (laughs) that i was expecting this is somebody who's like oh my god i'm gonna die (laughs) yeah yeah, <laughs> that's part of what makes him so great is he feels so real. Right. He doesn't feel like uh, whatever the like male equivalent of a Mary Sue is. Right, right. That's a, a which is definitely Stu. a thing. Yeah, a, a, a Gary <laughs> Stu. <laughs> there really is no yeah. male equivalent because I feel like audiences will just accept anything that males do up to yeah. the impossible. They don't. Yeah, care. I mean the Mission Impossible films have shown us that. <laughs> right, right, and it. Yeah, there's no there's no criticism right, right. There's for no male superstars. And, and if the guy sadly, happens yeah. to be muscular, then everything that they do is possible. There's a scene in one of the Fast and Furious <laughs> movies where The Rock is has a cast on his arm, and then he wants to get out of the castle. He just flexes his arm and gets out of the castle. I'm like, oh my god, that is so impossible. Oh my god. He does yeah. the impossible, and nobody cares. <laughs> nobody called him a Mary Sue. In that movie. That's right. Fast and right. Furious, man. Right. Fast and Furious is just ridiculous like right. that. So, the, yeah. I don't know if either of you saw The Beekeeper. No, I wanted to see with that With Jason one. Statham. Yeah. I did I did get to go see that. It wasn't bad. It I wasn't keep bad. that. But there is a part when he kills, like, or when he beats up. He beats up, like, 30 dudes. Yeah, yeah. And then as he was walking away, he cracks his knuckles. <laughs> and it was just like, ah, oh, come on. That was hilarious. It's just so pointless, but you kind of love it. You know, it's 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 trophy yeah, yeah. in a fun way. Yeah. But um yeah, that that's a great scene. It, it was fascinating. So uh Gunch, 
name one of and i and i love those like scavenger moments mm-hmm. in like apocalypse where they find something and then they keep it oh yeah yeah There's, like the, mu- the like music in, box yeah like in book of eli where he finds like a corpse and then he looks at his shoes and he's like oh nice and then you see him walking <laughs> in the guy's shoes like those scavenger moments yeah. are just i don't know they really add a lot of like rich context right, right. T- context to that world like what, what a character in an apocalypse is going to choose to bring with them is going to say a lot about that character yeah yes yes and max chose to well whoever the guy got that music box from obviously that music box is important to him and then mm-hmm. max sees it and he grabs it and he decides that that music box is important to him and mm-hmm. I, obviously it's a reminder of what he lost is a reminder of his family and uh, it, it made yeah. him smile, so he, he decided to take that with him. <laughs> and there's and there's probably no music. Yeah, yeah probably. In not that world. Well, not in his world. I mean, I can't say that about. Yeah. I mean, I can't say are... that about the later Mad Max films. But there's no like in there's no uh, diegetic. Yeah, music right, right, right. I'm assuming somebody's movie. created an instrument, and they're you know <clears throat> they're you know it might be like empty gas cans that they're hitting with a stick. You know, but, I'm pretty yeah. sure that <laughs> right. some instrument, people, instruments have survived, yeah. like some guitars and horns and mm-hmm. things like that have survived. But in this movie specifically, There's, there were, I mean, know, at the, the very end. least, yeah. you would have drums or something that somebody yeah. would beat on. But right. they, yeah. none of these people were playing music in this movie. Their situation was yeah. too dire. They, they had no time for <laughs> merriment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're being uh, harangued by leather daddies every day. Yeah. 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 <laughs> There's no time for merriment. <laughs> Right, 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 right. Yeah, right. yeah. If I was getting chased by huge muscular dudes and assless chaps, I wouldn't really be dedicating any time to instrument learning either. Right, I would right, just be right. dedicating my time to keeping the gate closed. So, Gatch, yeah. what was one of your favorite parts? I okay. So I really liked that scene where Wes crashes the motorcycle and he flies off of it. And it's like this crazy scene where he's just flying through the air and spinning. But then I found out that that was actually near fatal yeah. for the stuntman. Yeah. And he like broke his leg and he almost died doing yeah. it. And then George Miller decided to keep it in the movie. Right, right. And it's like, I I just have such a mixed feeling about that. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It was such a good scene, but at what cost? And I mean... George Miller is a doctor. He was a doctor before he was a, a director, <laughs> if you guys know. That's crazy. I didn't know that. So he always talks about how safety is the top priority, but I don't know. This would be <laughs> – there's a lot of moments where it didn't feel super safe. I, I like the part where, like, Mel Gibson's character, Mad Max, was in the uh, helicopter. Right. And he was almost dead, you know, in the, and uh, the gyro captain was like uh, – just stay just stay calm buddy or something (laughs) like that and then he winks and it's like slow motion (laughs) and i always like those kinds of scenes where it's like very obviously could not have been done with like a green or it it wasn't done with a green screen it could have been done by a green screen at that time 
But yeah, I guess they didn't do that with a green screen either. Right, right. They actually had Mel Gibson lay out on a plank sticking out of a helicopter, <laughs> and that's how they shot that's that. So that does not feel safe to me. Oh, that's crazy. Um, that, those are my first initial reactions. <laughs> but I'll just, I don't know if they're going to make it into the top five because they're kind of unethical. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, one of my favorite things about the movie were the costumes and the cars. That that is the most impactful mm-hmm. thing about this movie for me and how it's influenced other films. When people think of like a post-apocalyptic films, one of the things that they think of is the road warrior. They got this... Uh, up- they may not have been able to find instruments, but they damn sure found an American football locker room because yeah. <laughs> everybody yeah. was wearing American football gear. They're in Australia. So where they found American <laughs> football protective gear is. I know where they found it. It was right across from the leather shop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's where the they found it. Shop yeah. that they also raided. I yeah. mean, and, and, <laughs> and then down the road, there must have been like a junkyard right, right. or something that they got bits of metal from. <laughs> and then they, they found the, the football gear in different colors. So just, just absolutely fascination. I, I love the use of costumes in this movie and the cars were absolutely fantastic. It's uh, that uh, interceptor car was fantastic. The, uh, the yeah. humongous, this weird car was, was yeah. awesome. Even the, the car that, uh, what's his name? That um, the, the leader of the, the oil people, he was a uh, Papa, Papadakalos. Papagallo. Papa so it was like a rocket car it was like yeah. a, or something his, weird. His like was that. more like it's a like a dragster. like an old style race car. Like yeah. one of the early race yeah, cars. Yeah. So it was built on that body. So all of these cars were just fantastic. And it and um it really gave you that post-apocalyptic feel to it. So I really enjoyed those things. And I loved the gate. Yeah. The gate to the oil town was like a bus yeah. that they welded yeah, yeah. metal plates to, and then they would drive it out of right, the way right, right. or in back in. And that's how they opened and closed the right, gate. Right. It's just so rich. So, yeah. just the, so you rich. had the, um, the, the wheelchair dude where he, he had a incredible contraption that he could move around in. So that was fantastic. Yeah. It's like, you know, we don't, we don't have a wheelchair for you, but we're going to put this on this crane and we're just going to kind of wheel you around in this crane contraption that we have for you. So yeah, uh, uh, a lot of lived in stuff happening in there in this yeah. movie. So that, that was fantastic. Disability feels like a major theme in these movies. I feel like there's like at least two Characters who are physically disabled in every Mad Max car- movie. Because well, there's Max with his leg. Yeah, he. Well, yeah, he, he had the leg right, brace. Right, right. He he apparently got that damaged in uh, the previous movie. In the first movie, yeah. Right, right, right. Um, he also had. Uh, well, there's also the the guy that got his fingers cut, so he became disabled during the film. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, that happens, that happens quite frequently true. in these movies. <laughs> yeah. And the two big ones from the first one were people who got disabled in the film. Yeah, right, the dude right. who like had the stoma or whatever it's called. Yeah. And then the dude who was on crutches. Right. Um, and uh, obviously yeah. there's the, the feral kid who's also mentally cha- challenged, I feel. So yeah. uh, I was like... Well, but then it's revealed at the end that uh, the narrator yeah. was uh, the, the feral the narrator, all along. That was a pretty good right. review. So you guys, I wasn't actually expecting that. Yeah, you that's pretty theory. awesome. And here's the thing. I think that uh, he's probably uh, on a spectrum somewhere as not uh, 
what you call it? I'm trying to think of the word. I had the word before we started this podcast, and now the words are gone. I should have wrote it down somewhere. Well, if you're, if you're in a future where uh, you, if you're in a future where there's no education and you're never taught how to talk, I mean, no, that's... You, you know how to talk. You, you, it's, you, you may not learn how to I read, mean, but nobody has to teach a child how to talk. They, they just learn how to talk by imitating the people who are did talking. He, did he grow up in that town though? It's never really specified. Maybe he was out in the wastes and he didn't have any yeah, that's, parents that's or anything. Definitely a possibility. Wolves or whatever. So, so his education Coyotes. may have been delayed because he did a lot of grunting and he knew what a wolf sounded like. So yeah, that that's a great point. He probably they just probably found him wandering the wasteland and he talked to nobody. And because he's already ferocious, he's just able to survive. And then his uh yeah. his speech was just basically later developed in him because since he had nobody to talk to. You know what? You are putting forth an idea for a backstory <laughs> of the feral I mean, kid. That's what's really a theory going on. We need about the feral kid. Um, <laughs> we we what, need a prequel. What's the, what's the theory? The theory of yeah, is prequel. that the feral kid is Max in Fury Road. And that's how it like works. Oh, yeah. So like I, you know what? I've actually heard yeah. that. That he's Tom Hardy's Max. <laughs> yeah, that he's Tom Hardy's Max. The problem <laughs> is it, it doesn't actually fit the narrative at the end. I don't think it does Max either. Too. I think it was. I think it was like canonically like no, no, it's not yeah. because of like some comic books or something. I feel like right. I read. I didn't read the comics, but I read that about right. that. Yeah. Also, also from the. It's still a good theory, from, though. From how I still love from that. how you get it from the feral kid at the end of this movie is that they found the place that they were looking for, and apparently they didn't have any more problems. They became yeah, a great civilization. Paradise. So it's yeah. like once they became a great civilization or a great tribe, as he called it, then they were not. It was like there was no threat that they had to worry about. So it's not like they would go back to being like Max wouldn't go and start this great civilization and then go back to being threatened by marauders again, right? As in Unless Fury the great Road. civilization became the Morton Joe <laughs> right. uh, place. That would be insane. I feel like, like this is over something over time it corrupted. This this uh the events in Fury Road could have happened after Mad Max 2 or they could have happened uh like between Mad Max 2 and beyond and Thunderdome or after Thunderdome. Mm-hmm. I, either one of the, uh, one of those is acceptable. I yeah. Think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It feels like a, it almost sort of feels like a reboot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah kind of. Each, each movie in a weird way feels like. A reboot. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's the true. Evil Dead comparison is very apt because in each one of those movies, yeah. not a single one of those feels really related to the other one, other than the, the evil dead aspect. Um, but every, right. every single one of those films feels like its own film, and every single one of the Mad Max films has its own identity as well. Like they, it's yeah. a very apt comparison, I think. Evil Dead Rise was a completely different movie than any of the yeah. other Evil Deads, yeah. but I still loved it, and it still was very distinctly an Evil yeah, Dead movie, absolutely. But just a completely different concept. Army yeah. Darkness was like, "Fuck it, we're going back in time." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of those rare cases where they make just like the most outrageous story uh, decisions they possibly could, and it still <laughs> right, works. Right, so right. much fun, yeah. We know this is the Evil Dead movie. The little Bruce Campbell who like jumps into his like, but I don't. Did he jump into his butt? The itty bitty Bruce. Or Campbell. did he jump into his mouth? There's like little Bruce Campbell. Yeah. There's little Ash clones or something. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> no, so, <you're> <laughs> no, I just. Uh... 
just a weirdness on that I movie. I just had a cramp. Yes. It's not you. It's a cramp. Anyways. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, Wes, tell, tell me another one of your favorite parts. Um, yeah, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta talk on the costumes too. Cause they are crazy. They, uh, they really stepped it up from the first film. Cause like the first film is almost like a normal cop film. <laughs> like, right. Almost. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't really feel the only thing that feels post-apocalyptic is they have like toys nailed to their doors. Yeah, there's like a little bit of extra weirdness, but like for the most part, it's like, yeah, yeah it's, it's kind of like a regular cop film, you know? Um, yeah, <laughs> and then you get the Mad Max two, and you have the the leather daddies with football gear attacking the people wearing like old hockey equipment. <laughs> it's just like, uh, it's great, it's fantastic. Um, like, it's so funny. Like the I I could not stop laughing at the assless chaps every time I saw a bit of cheek. I was like, oh there were so God. many. Yeah, the kid. Why were there the, so the many? The kid did not have to be assless. That's all I'm going to say <laughs> no. about that. They're all. Yeah, that was that was taking it too far. That was taking it too far. It's like I feel like he line. had. It was like he was wearing diapers and he had not yet been trained, had had not yet been yeah. potty trained. So that was when yeah. it was unnerving to me. It was like, this kid is like, this kid is like seven years old and he doesn't know how to use a potty. He's still wearing diapers. That's not right. <laughs> there's like, there's a scene in the first one where a dude is running away from a crash and the guy looks at him through like the scope of his gun and he's just assless. <laughs> or he's just, his ass is out for some reason as he's running away. George and Miller must really like, like what happens. Yeah, I guess George Miller's an yeah, ass man. That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> like just like Walt Disney. <laughs> Gunch, what's one of yours? Um well, I really liked the introduction to the gyro captain. <laughs> the whole thing with the snake. Yes, the snake. Is so Ridiculous. funny. <laughs> Put the snake down. Nice and gentle. <laughs> I trained that snake. I'm going to eat it. <laughs> <laughs> and then when he's flying, he like throws the snake. He takes the snake and throws it down into one of the cars and the car crashes. <laughs> and just dude it's and so his crazy. snake. It was so funny. Amazing. So, so funny. Like, I love every scene with that weird ass dude yeah. in it. The slow motion scene where he's saving Max. It's just, it's all so funny. It's so good. And yeah, and his costuming, ridiculous. Yeah. Like bright yellow pajamas, like a pink scarf and pink. I They looked like uh, bunny slippers yeah. or yeah, something. They were some kind slippers of slipper. On. He wasn't wearing regular yeah. shoes. Yeah. Just the silliest looking shit. But then he had goggles with like a sun shield on them and like a pilot's cap. So it was a real nice mix of, uh, oh, this is just, this is what I found. Right, this is right, all I right, found. Right, absolutely. <laughs> I'm a terrible, like I don't have any marketable skills for scavenging. So these clothes are the only thing I found in a dumpster somewhere. Right. I feel like maybe somebody really good. stole his clothes. This is why he spends most of his life underground waiting for somebody to try to steal his yep. gyrocopter <laughs> or the fuel from his gyrocopter. The fact that he was able to stay underground is remarkable. <laughs> yeah. Just trained a snake to bite people so that he wouldn't even have to get up and right, right, get, out, right. get out of the ground. I, you know, I imagine. But then Max grabs him. So now he has to do plan B. You got the sense that he never had to right, do that right, before. Right. I imagine yeah. that you don't have to train a snake to bite. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. What, what is training a snake mean? Right, I doubt right, that he right, actually right, trained right, that right. snake. 
but yeah that <laughs> so good th- yeah i also had that as like when Max finds the gyro captain, that's definitely one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Yeah. That's for and I like how it established the characters of Max and being resourceful, like setting a, a booby trap on his car and and having like a knife under his car just in case yeah. he was forced to undo the booby trap. And like Jawa Captain says that, you know, a resourceful and quick man such as yourself might hide a knife under there and hate to pin your <laughs> yeah. head to the car. And it's like, I hated how he calls him on it. Right, yeah. right. And I hated how Max treated him. Like he kind of treated him like crap. But like after they, yeah. you know, after they kind of bargain for the gyro man not to be killed by Max. Like, so Max treated him real bad. And I almost felt sorry for them. But it's like, I have to think back to like Kim booby trapping max in the first place so that i don't feel so bad for him so he does a very good job at being both annoying and then like having a kind of compassion for him at the same time so he he really straddled that line and then later on in the movie there's a uh a point where he wants to uh he wants to be max's partner like we yeah we can be partners and then he gets part of the he's in that he's in that camp in the in the fuel camp and then he meets this girl and then he he almost sneaks off with the girl. Like he convinces the girl to sneak off uh, and then the girl won't leave. And so after that, Max has fulfilled what he said he was going to fulfill. So he gets in his car and he leaves. And now the gyro captain is like, well, come back. We're a team. But it's like, you, you were just about to leave. You shifty son of a bitch. Right, right. You were just right. about to leave. Why are you getting mad at Max for leaving? You you almost left. So I, I love the shiftiness and the constant changes. Like he doesn't know what he wants to be, right? Right. <laughs> he has Why, fully like decided. the only reason he said he wanted to be partners was probably because he knew that Max was his only chance yeah, of surviving. Yeah, I believe right? so. Because he was this very clearly badass right. dude and Gyro Captain just isn't. Right, that. right, right. <laughs> yeah. Gy- Gyro Captain, I am closer to the Gyro Captain in, in the post-apocalyptic apocalyptic, <laughs> uh, scenario. Actually, I'm probably, <laughs> yeah. to, to be totally honest, I'm more, I'm closer to uh, the girl that he was attracted to. I'm, I'm closer to her. <laughs> like a dumb... Yeah. I cannot believe she was about to run away with that dude. Right. That is like the nastiest looking dude in a movie Ugh. full of just gross but looking people. Beckus can't be choosers. And he's he's probably the <laughs> He can fly. He, he can he's fly. He's probably sure. the he cleanest one of all the, the people that was there. Like she can't do Papadopoulos or whatever his name is because he's the leader, obviously, and and so much older than she is, and she can't right. really relate to him. And then there's uh, the dude that had to be pushed around in his crane, so she really wasn't interested interested in that dude. And uh, there yeah. were a couple. Then there's the old boy. Nothing there yeah, but sunshine, yeah. fresh water, and nothing to do but he's breed. Clearly <laughs> crazy. He's clearly crazy. Just, <laughs> no. So her options a, were that was like the grandpa from Lost yeah, Boys. So, it's like that energy. Her options were severely uh, limited. So. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Uh, yeah he's he's (laughs) just as good as anybody so um once again uh i forgot whose turn it is (laughs) i think wes it's wes's turn i think it's you or maybe it's (laughs) wes yeah yeah because gyro captain is the same as yours so wes go ahead um the finale car chase sequence i don't know how long it is it feels 
god damn yeah so long but like not in a bad way like it, amazing. like an amazing way that they they kept the tension raising that long um and then the the results of it when when it when it you know is revealed that max has been a decoy this whole time and that tanker's filled up with dirt oh my goodness it's so satisfying <laughs> um it's it's a it's a classic bait and switch it's and it's executed so well uh there's so many moving pieces to that entire sequence. I mean, and you see a lot of it, a lot of the that sequence, I feel like, is like precursor to what he was doing, what George Miller was doing in Fury Road, because that uh, had to have been one of the craziest car chase sequences of the time um, back in the, was this the 80s? Like crazy, yeah. crazy, crazy car chase sequence. So many moving parts, so many crazy stunts happening, uh, crazy shots, just it it it's brilliant it's amazing it's so intense and i i it gets my heart racing every time <laughs> and yeah. it's one of the reasons why you don't see that kind of... is my favorite in the whole series i think is it's it's so cool you don't see that kind of action in uh marvel movies even no yeah 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 and there's not a lot of it's so real yeah. or martial arts in Marvel movies. That that is correct. Yeah. They they find your thrills elsewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They fly around and shoot lightning. Uh, yeah. They fly around, they shoot lightning. They take <laughs> gods by the legs and slam them on the ground over and over again. And then <laughs> yeah. they say puny yeah. gods. And then you walk puny away chuckling because that is definitely funny. So <laughs> <laughs> and then in a in a subsequent uh, and then in a subsequent film we see the Hulk doing the same thing to Thor and then Loki going, see how you like it. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a wonderful callback. But um, uh, yeah, so that I love the way that they're able to, that's actually another one of my favorite parts too. I love the way they're able to keep the tension going for that incredibly long scene because one of the things about it is that you, in order to do a long action sequence like that, you can't have, you can't be looking at the same thing or the action itself will be boring. It kind of reminds me of like uh, yeah. the Kill Bill series. Like you had these long action sequences, but you just couldn't do a, a long action sequence without say, uh, changing things up. So like in the Kill Bill sequences, I think it goes like from black and white and then it'll go to animation and then it'll go to like uh, like some kind of sepia tone during yeah. the action. So they they found ways visually to keep the action interesting. And in, uh, in this movie, they, what they did was that they just had different things. Like, I, f I feel like the Marauders had like contingency plans on how to deal with a tractor trailer. And so when they're chasing the tractor trailer, it's like a succession of contingency plans that they're trying to do in order to get the tractor yeah. to stop and, and to, to go uh, and capture the vehicle. And, and the plan that, because it's revealed at the end that the tractor was a decoy, it's just fantastic how well that that plan worked uh that with everybody chasing the tractor and ignoring yeah. everybody else so in in that way like humongous had said like just leave the oil refinery and go out into the desert and we'll leave you alone we won't uh we'll we'll give you safe passage and he's obviously lying he's never mm -hmm. convincing he never convinced me but <laughs> no but I feel like it's like one of the guys says, as soon as we leave here, that he's going to kill us all. And that's exactly yeah. what he wanted to do. But because the people left with the tanker, it, he's basically has no choice. But to, well, actually, he does have a choice. He could have just let them go because he still has 
an well, entire and they oil, blew up the refinery. right, but he didn't know that. No, they blew it up though. Right, well, yeah, he, he didn't, didn't know. know that. So he could have mm. just stayed at the oil refinery and let them go. But because he's kind of a dickhead, he chases the tanker. <laughs> yeah, a bunch of them went into the oil refinery. Yeah, yeah. He probably was like, "Oh, secure the oil right, refinery, right, right. and then we're gonna get go get the right, rest." Because right. he's just yeah, he's a greedy. Right, right. That's what it was. He, was. he was greedy, <laughs> and and that's why that's why he lost. Because um, he had all the oil that he would ever need. He had an oil refinery. He didn't need mm-hmm. that little tanker, you know, the tanker truck. But anyways, um, so he had several yeah. contingency plans. And you see him or you see the Marauders, uh, like, in succession, like as I said before, uh, lay out their plans in order to stop it. And then the counterattacks that you had by the people that were on the tanker. So that was that was all fantastic. It was very well played out. It was, I, I think that... George Miller really knew what he was doing. The editors really knew what they were doing when they put this sequence together because they knew it was long. They knew that he he that or he was one of the big editors for this right. movie. Nice. I think it was the same for a lot of the Mad Max movies. Yeah. I know for Fury Road he was like a big editor, maybe the lead editor on it too. But he had said uh for Fury Road, how he was able to get it so high octane and so uh, exciting. He had said his method was that he always keeps the subject in the same uh, area of the frame, like right in the center Mm -hmm. of it. And you can really see him start to develop that in this movie. Because, yeah, there's such a long action sequence in the end that you just can't look away from. Right, right, right. Because it just, draw, it just is constantly drawing your attention. Right. And there are definitely boring action sequences. I mean, I've seen yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But you know, this movie totally excels with that. Right. Yeah. It's it's basically a combination of tension and release that you have to do during the sequence yeah. that, that make that keeps the, entrance, the, the interests of the audience. So, yeah. yeah. Yep. And there's a really subtle way of uh, guiding the viewer's eyes across the screen right right you know the scene before will lead to the scene after visually and and so on and so forth right that could have just a lot of pre-planning yeah 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 all right so um i'll go ahead i'm sorry i didn't mean to interrupt anybody that was going to be my no that was going to be my my big one right 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 I mean, that reveal truly it's is so satisfying. I mean, that's number it's one so for me. So satisfying. Oh, so, so right, good. Right, a little right. smirk on his face <laughs> as he feels the dirt. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. And did, do you guys, did Mad Max know? No. About that? He did not know. Did any, did anybody know? The only know? person that, know, that knew was uh, probably everybody else but Mad Max. I, don't, I think they knew because obviously the people in the bus knew because that's where the fuel was kept. The people mm-hmm, who loaded right the bus knew and that was probably most of them so i think the only person that didn't know was mad max the feral kid and and that's it and the people that were you think the the people on the truck knew i think they knew i think that they considered it a noble sacrifice i think that they knew it's Mm. um especially the uh i forgot his name i didn't write it down but the the special needs guy the guy that didn't have any legs uh he was uh, the gunner Mm -hmm. for the rear of the trailer and he was adamant that he did not want to ride on a school bus so I think he knew. So if he knew, then the warrior mm-hmm. woman knew. She had to have known. So I, yeah. she, I could see her like she noble sacrifice. One of the things that about yeah about her uh, sidetracking a little bit is that. <laughs> so when she came to accept Max at uh, that he was not uh, like a bad guy, like she really clocked him as one of the bad guys, like one of the marauders. It's because he wore all black. Well, yeah, that. 
the Marauders right, were all right, black right, right. and the yeah. gas town they, people they were all black all and white. the people inside were white and 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 beach colored. So yeah, yeah, it's the bad guys and the good guys are very easy to to, to uh, differentiate. It's so western in that way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a very western style. The story. black hats and the white hats. Truly. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So truly. but then after she accepted him, she kind of gave him the googly eyes, like she was looking at him like. You can get it, right? So. <laughs> yeah. There was a little something coming. Right, over, right, yeah. right, right. I, I appreciated that. So that that's just a little uh, bit of a tangent. But yeah, that um I don't think he knew. I, I, yeah. I always interpreted that that smirk he gives as he fills the dirt as like his admiration of how cunning yeah. their plan was. Yeah, like, absolutely. He's, he's a character yeah. that has gotten by, you know by being a badass but mostly because he's a cunning badass like right. he's not just a badass because you know by then he probably would have been killed yeah, you know, yeah in a fight somewhere but he's also like really smart and cunning and resourceful and like i don't know he sees that dirt and he's just like wow these people yeah like yeah, yeah immediate respect yeah. <laughs> like, absolutely uh he's threatening yeah. people with an empty gun he's booby trapped his car he's yeah. uh he's He's, he's got a got gun an, or a knife by the right, booby trap. Right. He's got an attack dog. So he definitely gets by on he's, being as cunning yeah. as possible. And 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 the and he, I just think he, he like immediately respected these people so much. Right. <laughs> when right. he sees that dirt pouring out of the tank, he's just like these geniuses. Oh right, God. right, right, right. Uh yeah, so that's that's also one of my favorite parts. I'm so I'm gonna skip that and I'm gonna go to a line that he says. I think he says the same line in beyond thunderdome but the line where in the you know the the community is trying to figure out what they're going to do about uh about how to get this tanker out and um he says you want to get out of here you come to me and uh so <laughs> and i picked that because that's one of the things that i just remember about this film like the, when he finds that the tanker is empty i remember that part and i remember when he says that so those are those i and that's why i picked that but he has very few lines in his movie and uh i think that was particularly impactful yeah yeah, I was reading about that in the trivia. He only has 16 lines of dialogue in the whole right, movie. And two of them are the Main same character. Line. Yeah, two yeah. of them are I only came for the guy. I only came for the gasoline. <laughs> the true like silent hero. Right, type. right, right. Yeah. I mean, he's he's so silent he couldn't even name his dog. So the dog you Yeah, yeah the dog's name <laughs> the dog's name is, is dog. Just named dog. Right? Yeah, his name is um, Dog. It's very fallout of him. <laughs> Apparently that dog was a uh, uh, like a local pound dog and they actually just like found him and and trained him to perform in this film. Yeah. Um yeah. the poor guy the engine noises upset him so much um and he even like uh, relieved himself in the car because of the sounds of the engines. Aww. Um so they actually fitted him with like these special earplugs. Uh, but Aww. you know, it, it, it ends really happily because even though he had to deal with all the scary engine noises, he ended up getting adopted by one of the camera operators, which relatable. If I was a camera operator on this film, I probably would have adopted that yeah. dog too. Cause he is so cute. He's such a, yeah. cute, a cute dog. dog. And such a good actor yes. too. Uh, he looks I, so fuzzy and soft. I appreciate that they went with a mixed breed dog instead of going with like a pure breed, like they do in so many of these movies. Mm -hmm. So that was pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. It's like, let's get a dog that's really rough. Like it really had a. Yeah. And just rescuing a dog in general, as opposed to like buying a, uh, yeah, like you said, a pure breed dog. I mean, it's just. I mean, in the apocalypse, all your your options are going to be rescues. (laughs) Yeah, basically. (laughs) Right, right, right. right. Yeah. 
I read something uh, just going off of that. I read something that um, the actor who played the gyro captain, the dog was really fond of him. Oh, so oh. all the scenes where they were fighting, he had to kind of play with the dog <laughs> a little bit and get the dog to look like it was fighting. <laughs> uh, you know, the dog was fighting him. And then, uh, and then they added it in some growls. <laughs> right, 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 right. Ended it so it looked like it. Yeah. Well, they, but yeah, the dog really liked I don't him. think they can have a dog in a movie actually attack people. So yeah. I think that whenever you see a dog in a movie that well, looks like it's attacking yeah. it, they're really just playing. And then they have yeah. to add the growls later. Back then, I'm not so sure. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. There was definitely a point in movies where they had a dog actually attack me. Right. George Miller just, uh, you know, had somebody get their throat bit off by the dog. Hey, we'll use that one. Sorry that that happened, I mean, but we're going to use that shot. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I wouldn't put it past him, at least back then. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. All right, so I think we're on... I don't know how many of our favorite parts that we've done. Do you have... Any more, Wes? Uh, I actually just looked at my notes and I've spoken on all of my favorite parts. Oh, how about you, <laughs> that I wrote down. Yeah, yeah, I mean, same here. Okay, awesome. Honestly, I, I think my number one is probably the whole intro to the gyro captain. Yeah. <laughs> but that's a good close second would be that final reveal in car chase. Just so, so good. Do you think right, it's pretty right. funny when he is coming back and he runs into the gyro captain again and he's dragging the like wood plank behind him? Yeah. yeah and, the big uh, piece of and the gyro captain realizes that his gun's been empty the whole time. And he's like, oh, that's been empty the whole time. <laughs> yeah. and he's like, how do I know that yeah. one's not a dud? And he's like, well, why don't we find out? And he's like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I think he calls him. It's cool, cool. With partners, remember what partners. I think the gyro captain yeah. said that he was dishonest for using a, a gun. Yeah, that's no dishonest. Gun. That's <laughs> right. Low. Yeah, right. Yeah. Real rich coming from the gyro right, captain. Right, right. So good. So the only uh, thing that I'll add is in in the final battle, it's like because you know I've been around a couple of cars and trucks. So there's a, a scene where the kid he's in the like the the back part of the truck and he he gets into the truck and he gets in by holding onto the exhaust pipe. Um, he would have burnt himself up fiercely had he done that. <laughs> so I noted, I made a mental note of that, and then I wrote it down. And then when he's on the hood, the hood would have been extremely hot. So yeah. uh, I'm not sure about that. But um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that's just well. Actually, this this movie was cold. Uh, the set was supposed to be really yeah, cold. I don't yeah, care I how cold it is, though. <laughs> what I'm saying is that the exhaust pipe was like. Like 180 degrees. Cold wouldn't have made any difference. Yeah, and in fact, it probably would have made it hurt right, worse. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. it would have hurt a lot. But you Your know, ice cold hands on a hot stove type feeling. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, that's it for our favorite parts. We're going to transfer to the trivia. And you've heard some of our trivia, so the the stuff that yeah, we sorry, kinda, I sort of got yeah, into it a little. So bit. the stuff that we had had uh, gone over, uh, we, we just kind of kind of skip over those. Like uh, we had already mentioned that uh, Mel Gibson only had sixteen lines of dialogue, um, but we did not talk about. I don't think we talked too much about dog. So uh, go ahead, Wes, tell us about the dog in the film. We talked a little bit about it. No, actually, you yeah, did. The only thing we I didn't did. say. Well, yeah, we talked, we talked about, about the, that. The we talked about the, the, so the dog cute. was named Dog, and he was rescued from a pound, and and so on and so forth. So all of that we did that we talked about earlier about the dog we went over, and then um, okay, we talked about the stunt, but I'm gonna I'm gonna reintegrate this. I had off handedly mentioned yeah. it. Sorry, but it, it is interesting right, right. though. Yeah, yeah. I want I want to reemphasize this one. So in this. In this particular piece of trivia, there's 
one of the spe- one of the spectacular stunts in the film in which one of the motorcycle riding raiders hits a car and flies off the bike, smashes his legs against the car, and cartwheels through the air towards the camera was actually a genuine near-fatal accident. As mentioned earlier, the stuntman was supposed to just fly over the car without hitting it, but he survived, but his leg was broken badly. They don't tell us if his leg was healed, but it was broken at that point. Um, The moment looked so dramatic that it was kept in the film. Because, of course, it was. <laughs> it was the 1970s. What are they going to do? It's like, we're not going to yeah. waste this. Footage. Wasn't that supposed to... Wasn't that character Wes? I don't remember if that was supposed to be Wes or Maybe not. not. I, I thought it was the I thought it was the pink mohawk uh, guy. <laughs> well, that, to right, be fair, yeah. a lot not. of them Maybe had not. different color mohawks. In a yeah, post-apocalyptic world, they yeah. found gel <laughs> for the, the kid because it's... The, the feral kid's hair was highly teased. And then they found a whole bunch of, uh, uh, what do they call it? Hair color. They found that uh, because. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't the, know how they found dye. Yeah. Hair dye because all of the bad guys had different color hair. And then they obviously found water somewhere. Uh, so yeah, there's a hair salon right next to the American Sports Emporium and the Leather Daddy. Right. Yeah. It was all in one trip. <laughs> so, but this is uh, the next one is not something that we had gone over so gunch tell us about this one uh so humongous the the humongous lord the humongous was originally supposed to be jim goose from the first one that's pretty interesting yeah. um and the production decided against this officially but they left a few hints such as like the horrid burns behind humongous's mask and and his hair his hair was totally all burned up and and gross looking um and then the raiders use of police vehicles which was interesting because i noticed that right away too um and his own use of a similar weapon to the mfp's standard sidearm he had that sort of interesting uh gun yeah that like revolver with a scope. And I guess um, the symbol was like a, that was like a piece of Nazi memorabilia, hmm. supposedly. Oh, that's the legend. I did. That they oh, used. Me, I did not know so that. It's kind of an interesting little um, commentary on that, I guess. That is yeah. interesting. Uh, yeah, I didn't know that. That is really interesting. Um, so also one of the factors which led them to using the location that they were using was that, it predicted that there would be no rainfall at all during the shoot. Uh, but, you know, uh, as as we spoke before we got into talking about the movie, when you're working on a set, nothing ever goes <laughs> right. So it actually did nothing. end up raining. And it's actually bad luck to mention rain on set. Like, you're not supposed to mention rain. <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yep. Yep. It is. It's considered bad luck. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, yep. So they had to, it, it rained at their location for the first time in over four years, there was rain there. And so they had to shut down production for over a week. Wow. Yeah. First time in four years. Yeah. And it just so happens to happen on. Right. Production. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. I think like seven out of 10 sets I've ever been on has had rain, like a really bad rain. Yeah, I would say that has shut things down. seven, every outdoor set I think I've been on has had rain. Yeah. It, it just happens every time. Right, right, it's right. Ridic- it is ridiculous. And then the um, they use some of the rain footage in the montage. Did you notice that? 
it was really rich too when they used yeah. that. So good. I am. I'm g- glad it rained because that was awesome. But here's yeah. the thing: it's like, when did it rain? Because uh, the the marauders are dry the whole time. The people in the camp were dry the whole time. But sometime right. during the night, it rained, and you had. Yeah. Humongous, like he's doing his best wrestling promo ever during the montage. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. It's like I could they're like burning rubber, like doing donuts in the rain. Yeah. Yeah. I can I can see humongous like speaking on the speakers, like like threatening the people in the in the oil campus, like, Ooh yeah, I'm coming to get you. You disobeyed me, yeah, but I'm coming. I'm coming, me and my brothers, we're gonna take you out. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. I saw it all in the montage. Amazing. Uh, I got you for 10 minutes. <laughs> 10 minutes of playtime. <laughs> all right. Um, just, I love the, the tanker roll stunt at the end of the chase was deemed so dangerous that the stunt driver was not allowed to eat any food for 12 hours before the shoot. Wow. In a likely event that he could or could be rushed to surgery. So they That's what they were insane. doing was that... Like wow. if you ever went to, like if you had to do surgery or if you uh, have to do certain medical procedures, they'll tell you to fast for like 12 hours before you go to the hospital or something like yeah. that. I've had to do that a couple of times. So I guess George Miller being a doctor was like, don't eat tonight. We're going to do a set <laughs> tomorrow and we might have to rush you to the hospital. That's crazy. That's Imagine that. One of the- Imagine signing up to do a stunt that's like, yeah, pretty much a near guarantee you're going to be rushed into surgery after this. <laughs> Jesus. I think that he was just crazy. being uh, cautious. He's, he's got that. That was the doctor and I'm wanting him to be cautious. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, this was the most expensive set ever constructed for an Australian film. Uh, the desert compound built in the desert of Broken Hill. That's the uh, New South Wales, Australia. That was the uh, oil town, I take it. Um, the production also boasted the largest explosion ever created for an Australian film, which destroyed that set. Yeah. Um, and he had said, George had said that he uh, they had to close the mines for that explosion oh, wow. of that compound. And George had said, I felt the uh, shock waves. Wow. <laughs> that, yeah, no, the so explosion is really amazing. big. Yeah, it's that was really, a spectacular explosion. It's yeah, one of the best explosions caught on cinema. It was I beautifully shot. You really felt how gigantic it was. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. When the tires start flying out, that that's my favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Amazing. Yeah, all the junk starts flying out. Yeah. Just, just nuts. Incredible. They don't do it like anymore man i know it's all cgi explosions now <laughs> gotta yeah. be safe now. gotta be safe i feel i, I say that and then i feel like an asshole every time i say it's it. like the, it's like why aren't movie people in danger <laughs> right, anymore right, right. they should go back not, yeah. not only that no, but it's also the, really uh, the firearms because of uh on the set of rust because of that whole thing mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, now people are making commitments yeah. to it's like the cgi is at a level now and they're cheap enough now where you don't need actual you know firearm well you don't need actual fire yeah. right you don't you don't need actual right, gunfire right, right. because like you know somebody yeah. could mess up and put a an actual round in in the weapon and yeah. act, and accidentally kill yeah, someone. we haven't forgotten alec baldwin we haven't forgotten that you prestiged a guy on set right yeah. and we'll never forget <laughs> you motherfucker we'll never forget right right absolutely <laughs> i mean that's crazy that that uh that explosion 
destroyed i mean like obviously it destroyed the set it was massive but like you know they only had like one 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 shot at that right you know you can't yeah 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 yeah. you can't gotta make sure the film's in the magazine you know (laughs) yeah but like yeah imagine the lens cap was off or the lens cap was on or like it was out of focus like the entire time (laughs) Uh, that that'll cost you your job that the dp on that 100 would never work again (laughs) yeah yeah but yeah yeah right after the movie was finished i guess all the cars were supposed to be destroyed including the black interceptor but somebody thought that the interceptor was too good to lose so they saved it from the crusher and when the sequel yeah absolutely like say it's a piece of history um, yeah, but when the sequel was in its planning stage, someone fi- found out that the interceptor had somehow survived. So they tracked it down and bought it back. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. For the, for, um, Thunderdome. No, no, yeah, the, right? the, uh, they, Mad Max or for, it for, was for, introduced in Mad Max and they brought it back for Mad Max and too. they brought it back for, for the, oh, they brought the, it back uh, for Warrior. Warrior. Yeah. Yeah. Right, and right, then right. they destroyed it in this movie. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's- Amir is his name. Emil, Emil Minty. Yeah, he saved his uh, boomerang. He still has. Oh that my boomerang. god, that's so awesome! And I guess uh, Mel Gibson gave him that boomerang. I love that. That's on set. So he still has that. It's in his office. Apparently. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. Prize possession. And taught him. And Mel Gibson taught him how to throw it. Yeah. That's that's brilliant. Mel Gibson taught the kid how to throw a boomerang and taught the kid how to headbutt people for movies. I killed that's a marauder a lady with this boomerang. <laughs> that's the yeah. thing about the boomerang. No, I think that was a dude. Pretty sure that was oh. a dude. <laughs> My bad. Sorry, marauder. No, the lady. No, the lady got killed by the boomerang. Yeah. But then the dude got his chop. Uh, oh, his um, fingers, fingers chopped off. off. Yeah. Yeah, what was this? No, that's what um, I'm saying. I think that was a dude. I don't think that was a lady. With the, the boomerang and, and the. Oh, dude, yeah, you know what? It was. Ch- it was. His whole his chest was out. out. They wouldn't. You're right. Yeah. You're right. You're right. <laughs> they wouldn't do that for a lady. <laughs> it was a very femme presenting man. Guess because he you was, know what? Yeah. It's the apocalypse. That's, Maybe they don't even have pronouns anymore. Maybe it's all just people. <laughs> I mean, it might be, but also Wes was super Lit. gay, right? So Absolutely. Was, oh my God. Yeah, Humongous is very gay. Too. <laughs> yeah, you could tell. <laughs> Humongous was, was coding gay when he started to run. It was like, oh, I oh, get yes. it. Yeah, he's, he's, he's actually a gay man. And, I mean, uh, he's like a leather daddy, and these are all his like uh, his disciples. What do they call it? I don't know S&M um, culture, but what do they call it when like, a daddy has... has followers or his little puppies or whatever i don't know <laughs> yeah, pups, no that's like a furry thing but it is s&m style yeah, right? yeah. Like they have like s&m style the dom and they're all the subs or whatever yeah, yeah absolutely. Right? Yeah, this is entourages. Yeah, yeah but like he like so wes definitely kept his uh significant of other close like you know he's yeah. not going anywhere without it so and then you know when when the feral kid killed you know, his, his main squeeze, you know, you know, Wes kind of went crazy. He had to spend, mm. he had to spend his, a little bit of time on punishment in front of the car. Right. Yeah. He had to be strapped to the top, like, <laughs> like all the other style. prisoners. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. So, uh, so moving right along, according to George Miller, it was Mel Gibson's idea to make Max look as rough and ragged as he did so before filming began he cut off his own hair or he cut his own hair so i don't i'm trying to figure this out so did he cut his hair himself because he knew it would look messed up i think that's the idea and probably and he cut yeah. his eyebrows because like in in the world of the film 
there's like no hair right, 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 or anything. Right. So everybody's hair has to look crazy. And not only that, but even if they were barbers, Max is not someone who would trust barbers. So he'd definitely be the type no. that would cut his own hair and butcher it because yeah. he doesn't actually care. He's doing it for tactical reasons. Yeah. He's cutting his hair because long hair gets in his face. So uh, yeah. <laughs> he also cut the sleeve off his le- a leather jacket and he tore up his gloves. So yeah, Mel Gibson did a lot to contribute to his costume. And it looked amazing. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. glad he it's did. definitely Absolutely. iconic. Yeah. He had half of the... Uh, Half a football gear, uh, shoulder pads. Yeah. The one yeah. shoulder pad. Right, right, right. The one shoulder pad. Yeah. That's yeah. that's highly iconic. Yeah, yeah. yeah the one yeah. big pauldron. Yeah. That's just great apocalyptic uh, <laughs> style. Well, so it also calls back to the type of armor that certain British knights had, where they, they would have yeah. a, like yeah. asymmetrical design where you had this big protruding piece of metal sticking out to block swords. Uh, from hitting the knight. Yeah, the one pauldron for like fencing right, or what right, have right. you. Yeah, yeah, that's just rich. Yeah, I don't know if either of you have played any Soul Cal- uh, Soul Caliber, but uh, there's a lot of like options to do one shoulder pauldron nice. of armor in it, and I always just felt that was the richest design. <laughs> I played Soul um, Caliber, but yeah. never designed my own character there. Yeah. I got in. I got into it pretty heavily. For <laughs> pretty a bit. heavily, huh? Um, yeah, yeah, a little heavily. Yeah. I'm not saying I didn't make. I'm not saying I didn't make a bunch of sexy anime characters, oh. but I'm not saying I didn't. I'm not saying I didn't do that, but I'm not saying. Did they have assless chaps? I did do it. <laughs> yeah, that was an option. <laughs> almost, uh, almost exclusively. Amazing. Yeah. Oh well, here's the thing. Uh, this is uh, the. The butts are always the one that you're about to read is exclusively about assless chaps. Ooh. That's true. Speaking about assless chaps, um, and although it might not have looked it, the set was not warm. It was very cold, and everybody was in assless chaps. Mel Gibson, even though he was in this like heavy duty leather getup, he was spending his time between takes huddled under blankets. Mm. And uh, and the Marauders, of course, had all their assless chaps. I mean. The humongous was in nothing. Yeah. It was like a leather studded speedo, a hockey mask, and like some like a harness. Yeah. Yeah. Something. So I don't know how that dude survived if it was really that cold where they had to go in blankets. Right. Um, and Gibson called Vernon Wells, uh, who played uh, um, Wes, right? Barometer bum. Because of the outfit he was wearing for the role of Wes with his assless chaps. So when Wells' butt cheeks went purple on set, George Miller finally <laughs> sent everyone into a bus so that they could warm up. That's insane. That's crazy. That's so funny. <laughs> they're all just like not keeping crazy. an eye on his butt cheeks to make sure they're not purple. Oh, they're purple. His butt cheeks are purple. Right, in the right, bus. right, right. <laughs> Thank you, Pod. No, five. like he was like, he was probably saying, uh, my butt cheeks are cold. My butt cheeks are cold. Please, and uh, George Miller was like, "Ah, yeah, see, it's fine. Yeah, look at his butt cheeks. They're not purple yet." And then you know, an hour later, that they were purple, and he was like, "Ah, son of a bitch! All right, everybody, get in the bus. We got mm-hmm. ten minutes to warm up. Come on, we got to move this along." Right, right, right. That's just how I picture Thank all you, directors. Ted. Thank to you, Ted. Go, go warm up your butt cheeks. <laughs> Thank you, Ted. Thank you, Ted. Warm up our purple butt cheeks. And Thank you, purple butt cheeks. Right, right, right. Yeah. God, I this movie looks very hot. Yes, I can't believe it. <laughs> they did, and I don't know job. how they did that, but it really looked like warm, yeah. like sun beating down. 
that was well amazing. that's the yeah. thing about yeah about deserts like when you when you're out in the desert it it's just looking out there because like we have like clues about what the temperature is around here like the leaves are changed sometimes there's snow on the ground yeah a lot of times it's overcasted mm-hmm. there are a lot of clues context clues to tell you what the temperature is so you can like look outside kind of guess at the temperature but when you're out in the desert especially like a desert in australia and it, their winter time doesn't look like our winter time so <laughs> their winter time right. looks exactly like their summertime it's just that the temperature is a bit chilly so yeah or, or way chilly i should say <laughs> apparently it's way chillier in certain parts of so Australia. they were they were dressed like that it was cold and it was raining and then they were dressed like that yeah. out in the cold rain well, only I mean, only a week i don't think anybody actually filmed in the rain like when you saw the rain in the film i think that was just like establishment shots it was a lot of times you saw the rain it was just superimposed mm. on every on top of everybody that's else. good so i don't think so nobody was actually right 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 I don't think, the rain in the freezing rain i don't think george miller was that cruel i mean because i don't think the camera crew wanted to be out there so i don't think he had any of his actors right any of his actors right. inside the rain <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> little that, icy raindrops hitting your bare ass cheeks. <laughs> right, right. Fuck that. <laughs> Fuck that. So that's it. The movie I was on, the movie I was on had a rainy set. And uh, if there were scenes for butt cheeks, I think the producer would have torturously wanted people yeah. to go out in the rain with their butt cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, it was a it was a documentary about the Native Americans in northern Wisconsin. Right, so right. Uh, not uh, no butt cheek shots that i knew right of. right right maybe yeah. there was the, those <laughs> those are in a, uh maybe there will be those are in a director's cut so anyways <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. uh, yeah so we're gonna move we're gonna move right along to the next segment uh we're gonna find out what the critics thought so the critics uh they gave it on rotten tomatoes in 93 the audience score is 86 percent, and imdb reviews has it at 7.6 out of 10 so I've gathered a couple of the critics, see what they thought Pretty about warm. that. Yeah. I'm sorry, what? It seems like, well, the the ratings seem pretty warm based on those strats. Well, I what I like to do is I like to collect a couple of negative reviews, a couple of positive reviews, you know, get get some the general feeling of, of how some people felt. Because like even if it's like ninety three percent, and I believe this is accurate because of the way people talked about this movie when I was growing up. Like I saw the movie like way later than after it was in theaters and whatnot. So it's like by the time I got to see it, I was like really jazzed up about to see it because of the way people used to talk about it. So, so yeah, so I, I believe uh, that people really generally enjoyed this film, but I also under- have an understanding that there are people that are not going to enjoy it. So, you know, I got everybody together and ha- let them have their say. So, for instance, we have mm. Pauline Keel from The New Yorker, and she wrote, we may not feel crummy after the movie, but we feel hollow the road warriors is for boys who want to go around slugging each other in the shoulder and for men who wish that john wayne were alive and 50 again and you know what her her comments are valid (laughs) yeah it's a a little more um i mean it's a little more gay than maybe john wayne would have liked right 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 i feel like Uh, but also there (laughs) i don't know if he he probably would have been like i don't like seeing all these man butts i don't know how i don't remember how he talked but i do think that uh the the women's roles could have been beefed up a little bit maybe they kind of had like a couple of prominent 
bad girls in a movie as well. But they, yeah, the women roles were pretty right, bad. Right, they were pretty bad. But yeah. what we see of them, uh, as small as their roles were, we see that they had character, they had strength, they had integrity. So they, uh, overall, they, uh, especially on you know the women on the good guy side, they were very positively portrayed. But it was very much. This was very yeah. much a misogynistic male movie. So <laughs> that's why I said. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even think that that's wrong right, either. Right, right, I think right. that there's some truth to that. Yeah. But still, uh, it was uh, a fun action movie. And and I can, but I do understand her point and her points are valid. That, that's why I said that. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Who's totally who's next? So, uh, Jody, Judy Stone um, from the San Francisco Examiner said there's plenty of tension some humor, and a lot of polish. But finally, it wasn't any more memorable than your last Philip at the service station. Boy, hey. was she wrong, because this is widely considered to be the best action movie of all time. It's rated number one in like six different big magazines. Right, right, right. Um, I've never had a Philip at the time, yeah. that exciting. I've, you know, usually getting gas yeah. is pretty boring. It's never this intense. <laughs> never. I'm glad I never had a Philip well, like okay, that well, because there one, were a lot of explosions. There's never that many asses out at a gas station. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you don't go to gas stations in the city then. <laughs> <laughs> but then David Starrett of Christian Science Monitor said, brute violence and nice. fascist mentality are the hallmarks of this Australian fantasy. Which is also a pretty harsh. I don't even know. I feel like the first one's more fascist than this one is because the first one's kind of propaganda, and this one is. I mean, it has aspects of that, but I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't, I think, don't think I have this. I, I don't think he yeah, knows what fascist means because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because it's like. I think a lot of people who use that to describe movies don't know what right. it means. I had a professor call my work fascist before, huh. and I'm like the furthest thing from that. So I don't know. I have this specific beef with people calling movies fascist. I think they <laughs> think it's a buzzword right, right, yeah. and they don't actually yeah. understand what it means. Like Because the, the bad guys, I guess you could kind of say that they were fascist, but that's how they were coding. That's how they supposed to be portrayed as they're basically a totalitarian government. You know, you had the right. one leader and everybody capitulates to the one leader. Right. So yeah, that's how they rule. But the on the other side, the the community in the with the oil, they were more of uh I don't want to say that they were a democracy, but I don't feel like the leader would kill uh the people who wanted to leave. Like they were like he was trying to he was making an argument like there was a point where the uh, the bad guys offered them whether they could just leave peacefully or stay in within the their community and be slaughter, slaughtered by the marauders. So, yeah, there was a discussion going on that there, there was a, a leader con- trying to convince his people to stay and, and adhere to the plan that they had developed. And then there were some people that that were going to leave, like if had Mad Max not intervened, the people were going to leave and the the leader wasn't going to do anything about it. So this functions more as a democracy. So I don't understand where he's getting uh, yeah. fascist from. And yeah. my my take is that he doesn't actually know what that word means. <laughs> right. They were, yeah, they were having an open dialogue. Right, That's right, right. exactly right. the opposite of what fascism right, is. Right, right, right. Absolutely. So, yeah, I don't And they function more like a commune than anything else. Yes, so. <laughs> yes, that is, that is correct. Yeah. They, I mean, if, obviously, like, uh, what's his name, Pelagio? Yeah. He's, yeah, like, Papagallo. coded as the leader, yeah. but 
there's not really a sense that he controls. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Right. Just, he he's he's he's, he's not a dictator. Lord, right. Really. He's right. in charge because yeah. he he obviously has a plan, and people he's probably uh he's probably said things and guided them through uh whatever trans whatever hardships that they had or whatever prosperous um time that they had that these people mm-hmm. had he probably guided them through that so they trusted him and like i said he doesn't have a, the heaviest hand that he had was when he was trying to convince max to stay and they got mad and he's like right. trying to rough up max or trying to humiliate max and then max had punched him and but he didn't right. like turn around and have his society kill max or whatever because it, yeah he didn't send this gestapo right, right, right. after max. what happened was he <laughs> yeah. was desperate and he basically acted out of turn because he was desperate and and that's why he did what he did but right. he, he was he didn't do it because he was somebody like humongous right <laughs> who just everybody right. who disobeyed humongous had to pay a price and and they either they rode on the on the top of a car or he probably killed them <laughs> yeah is Christian is Christian Science Monitor? Is that like a Christian uh, news outlet? I have, I have no idea. I've never even heard. I've of that. heard of it, so I know about it, but I've never read it. What I do is when I go on Rotten Tomatoes, I scan through the negative and positive reviews, and I pick out the reviews that sound interesting. Sometimes. When I'm in a rush, it's a clutch moment. I just pick out the first couple of reviews. <laughs> that's va- that's valid. Totally valid. But I couldn't tell you about the Christian Science Monitor. Uh, lastly, we have Dave Kerr from Chicago Reader. He wrote, For pure rhythm and visual panache, Miller has few real competitors. The climactic chase with its deft variation of tempo and point of view is a minor masterpiece. And in that, Period. I think we mm. can all agree. <laughs> yes. What does he mean by minor masterpiece? Like minor masterpiece? Well, I'm not sure when he did this review. I'm pretty sure that was closer to when the movie opened. Because I feel like he's probably seen better movies. Or maybe this is not his oh, type sure. of movies. This is probably one of the earlier movies. This is definitely one of Miller's earlier movies. So he hasn't had a bunch, like a huge filmography. So I'm guessing by this comment that this is earlier in Miller's career. Yeah. And, and, um, he's, I guess at the same time, he's not trying to butter Miller up too much. Right. He's yeah. like, this is your second film. <laughs> Slow down, dog. But right. Right. Yeah. Slow down, boss. You're good. Not like but it is now. Yeah. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to yeah. butter you up like all It's that. just a minor masterpiece. Yeah. Yeah. It's a minor masterpiece. It's like, it's a masterpiece, but a yeah. minor masterpiece. Like, Pluto, you're a planet, but you're a dwarf planet. Slow your roll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, uh, that's it for Mad Max 2. The Road Warrior is, as of this recording, available on streaming. And in a fortnight, we'll be back with a, another exciting movie from yesteryear. I don't know yet what that movie will be or if we'll even have a guest. But I can tell you that it will be glorious. You can follow us on Twitter, TikTok, Blue Sky, Facebook, Instagram, Threads, and now YouTube and YouTube Music yeah, yeah. at Backlick Cinema. And then um, if you post, I'll try to respond. Don't forget that you can contact us at any of these places or you can find us on fanmail at backlickcinema.com. So Wes King and Gunch, do you have any additional plugs? 
Yeah, uh, you can find me on TikTok at West Talk Movies. I love talking movies right now. Uh, I love talking about movies all the time. Right now, I am on a a little bit. I'm not on a hiatus. I'm just slowing down because it is the school semester and I am deep into it. So I'll probably only be doing Mm. two to three uh, videos a week. But I am going to try to try to be a little bit more consistent this semester than I was last semester. But um, yeah, you can find me there. Um, You can find me on the film Somniacs podcast with my wonderful co-host Gunch, and I will let him tell all his plugs now. Yes. Um, I, we are going to start up film Somniacs again, pretty soon here. Very excited for that. Um, and I'm Gunch on TikTok, film Gunch. Um, I am, I now have a job that doesn't like <laughs> suck the life out of me. <laughs> I, I that was a funny that was a funny uh yeah that was a funny delivery <laughs> ladies and gentlemen um, you, but it's you true. didn't see it but i have a job when he said it. that he just kind of shook his head it was like it left a bad taste <laughs> in his mouth I, I yeah i now have a job that doesn't actually make me want to throw up in my mouth a little bit like i actually enjoy this job a little bit um and uh, for that reason i'm back into my uh i'm trying to get back into my daily tiktok uh regiment so we've been posting movies every day for a week or two now. So nice. very excited about that. And we're going to keep it going. Um, yeah, I, I love it. So feel free to comment, uh, message me if you got something funny or if you got a movie that a recommendation that you think I should check out. I get a lot of messages from people, so I don't uh, respond right away, but I always appreciate it. And I always do eventually get to them. So uh, thank you. Awesome. And uh, and I'm finally at uh, I'm almost at 1,500 followers. I'm one away. Congratulations! <laughs> so All right. Yeah. Congrats. Thank you. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so yeah, Zoe, thank you so much for having me. On. Thanks for coming on. Uh, I, yes, I, thank I appreciate you, you coming on. Yeah. It's the more the merrier. I always say this is almost a panel show, so yeah. it's totally awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, this this is a lot of fun, and we're talking about a really cool. We talked about a really cool movie. Yeah, I really really like this. Definitely one. one of the classics. So, one last time, if you like this show, then please help us grow by spreading the word about Backlick Cinema, the podcast. Believe me, it matters. I know you've enjoyed our guests, Wes King and Gunch, so please listen to Film Somniacs wherever you're listening to the podcast, or you can watch it on Facebook, and then you can watch West Talk Movies, hosted by Wes, and Gunch underscore film, hosted by Gunch, as he said it just a minute ago, on TikTok. I've been Zoe Richardson. Please be safe. Share a movie from yesterday with your family. Hug your loved ones. And if you're going to be anything, be outstanding.